Welcome to Awards Radar, the podcast, a weekly discussion of the awards races, Hollywood news, and the films you should have on your radar. Here's your host, Joey Magidson. Hey, everyone, and welcome back to November. That's right. We're, we're picking up and running with it. Um, newest episode of the Awards Radar podcast. Miles, how are you celebrating November? Um, I could be watching a bunch of noir movies, and I probably should be to just be more well-rounded as a film goer. But also, I just did a whole month of themed movie watching with 31 Days of Halloween, so you'll forgive me if I'm not jumping right into that again. I was more curious if, like, a, you know, a mysterious woman with a shady past was trying to hire you for a job or anything like that. Oh, no. No one, no one comes in and says you're the only one who could help them? I mean, people tell me that every day, but usually it's because they're at my place of work and I'm the only one there to help them. That's fair. Steve, how about you? Uh, I'm sitting down watching Sideways and I'm finishing my second bottle of Pinot Noir. Is that how it works? That's, that's, you know what? That's a good joke. I like that one. Thanks. I get it. It's a, <laughs> I, I got it pretty quickly and then I had to like... I did the version of a joke of where I just like stirred it in my mouth like a like a like a wine, and went, "Yeah, that tastes good. I like that." Oh one. yeah, thanks. My, uh, Steve is in the midst of Pinot Noir Vember. I'm halfway oh. through it. Go All ahead. right. Oh, there we go. We'll see. You'll see what he's like at the end of the episode. It'll be uh, hopefully awake. Complaining about yeah, or you'll be raging against something. I'll never forget uh, back in the days of. Uh, the uh, award circuit uh, when we did our podcast, the post Moonlight La La Land podcast, where uh, Mark was like nearly belligerently drunk, made for a very interesting episode as we were like trying to make sense of what just happened. So, we are recording this on Wednesday, the day after election day. Uh, Doom didn't really happen, so we'll take that as a win, I guess. Sad that that counts as a win, but like, you know, seems like we all have our rights still. For now, huzzah. And let's get into one of our questions. So, interestingly, I believe all three of our questions are highlighting things we talked about on uh, last week's episode. So, let me pull up another option. But one of our options concerns an actor who we're all fond of. And one of them centers on a topic that we were discussing last week so what are, what are we thinking do we want to do the actor or the topic first uh topic all right we got a topic let me uh let me check our other option but um one of our questions was about director's cuts ah which remember how we uh we kind of put that forward as a thing the the ball was picked up and and rolled with in a way that i uh am fairly uh, delighted by because oftentimes we joke like, hey, you guys should do this. And then we hear nothing. Uh, that was not the case. As I scroll past the questions, Miles also put out his, uh, was it top 16 of the year so far? Yep. Whatever would fit into the letterbox. Yeah. It's weird that you can't get the 20. It just feels like so much more satisfying of a number. Yeah, I know. But the or at least off my phone, the way the screen formatted just won't. I mean, eventually I'll probably just like post everything that I saw in the year and just do like several different images. But for now, this is a good tease of where I'm at. Totally. Makes sense. Um, so here, let's uh, 
Welcome to this question. Comes courtesy of Ryan. I'm McDermott. Filmholic face-off. Films with notable director's cuts. Right. Um, um, some of these I don't even realize have director's cuts, so it's kind of cool to realize. So are we, are we comparing the director's cuts or just the movies in general? Um, let's... T- Let's, I guess it'll depend because we probably haven't seen all yeah. of the director's cuts. Yeah, because some I, th- I feel like for some of these we want to talk about the comparison between the cut and the original. But let's compare director's cuts in the face-off. As, you know, in an X or Y, it's X director's cut versus Y director's cut. Sure. Um, just for ease of use. Uh, first up, Kingdom of Heaven or The Counselor? Really, Scott? I, yeah, I definitely didn't know The Counselor had one. <laughs> The DVD, I think, had like a fairly extent, like, I'll double check the numbers, but I believe it was um, notably longer. Interesting. Um, well, I haven't seen the director's um, cut of either of these, so I would just have to go off the theatrical versions of both. Uh, the Counselor is atrocious. Uh, Kingdom of Heaven is kind of underrated. So that's where I'm see? going. Um. <laughs> I'll go with the counselor. I, I, oh boy. Yeah, I was, hey, you know what? What the hell? Javier Bardem with like some, uh, or... funky, uh, funky hair. It's worth it. I mean, every, everyone in that movie is doing a thing. That's, that's undeniably true. Michael Fassbender um, is very aggressively trying to play the most boring man alive. Yeah. It, listen, it's a, it's a misfire. <laughs> But um, but the director's cut was amazing. So the I'm trying to find out what the the length difference is. Well, I know I'm Kingdom looking, of I'm Heaven. Gonna... It's a pretty sizable overhaul. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Kingdom of Heaven, the regular cut, I don't like. Um, the extended cut, I still think is is not like amazing, but it's a coherent movie at least. I don't remember if I've seen the extended cut of the Counselor. I have the because it came on the disc. It was the unrated extended cut. So it might be kind of that, like, remember our saw Blu-rays with that bullshit? Like, it's the extended unrated cut. And it's got, like, it's, 30 seconds of additional footage. Yeah. yeah, so it so it could be that, but I have an article up. I'm just comparing. Oh, it's 20 minutes longer, apparently. Oh, well. I don't know that I need that movie to be 20 minutes longer. Yeah, yeah exactly. I don't know what. That's why I go with. that. That's not counseling. a movie that, like, benefits with from additional content. Yeah, so I think, I think time-wise it has to be. I, uh, director Scott Wise, it has to be Kingdom of Heaven. That's where I'm going to go on that one. Next up, this one, I it's a Zack Snyder face-off. Zack Snyder's Justice League or Watchmen? Uh, well, it's definitely not Watchmen because the director's cut of that actively makes the movie worse. Oh, really? Um, <laughs> I don't know about worse, but different. It, we'll talk about it in a second. Well, it's, it's one of the ones we were kind of talking about last week where it's clear that like the additional stuff is just deleted scenes that were deleted for a good reason. And there's like maybe one that adds to it, but overall it hurts the pacing of a movie that's already like desperately suffering from pacing issues. So it's a really, it's a really interesting. I think it's the only one I can think of of this because you're right. It it does nothing to help the pacing in what it is, is none of this director's cut is reflective of the director. It's just more of the book. It's the the extended cut is just the entire 
book on screen, essentially. More or less. Including fucking Tales of the Black Fringer. Which, which listen, I, I hate. I hate it. I hate that in the comic. I think that, like, I get what they're doing with it. And maybe in isolation, it's kind of sort of interesting. But as something that frequently interrupts the flow of whichever version of Watchmen you're consuming, it's terrible. And I hate it. I actively I actively skimmed that part when I was reading the, uh, the graphic novel in college when I should have been paying attention in school. Yeah. Um, Zack Snyder's Justice League is a real odd duck of a movie. It barely, I don't even know how to describe it. It's like technically a movie, but I don't know. Um, but it is doing so much and it's doing it so audaciously that I have to respect it. So that's where I'm going. All right. Hmm. I have seen Justice League, the director's cut. I've not seen the Watchmen director's cut, but... Um, I did read the graphic novel and I would, if I was going to, well, it's, it's just, it's hard to say because I I saw one, I didn't see the other. So I'm going to go with the Watchmen just because I haven't seen it and I'd like to see it. So there we go. It's not the best answer. Okay. I mean, I I have, I have to go, um, have to go Justice League just because it took a bad movie and made it good i guess it's undeniably better yeah it's whether whether it hits goodness is up for debate but it's it feels like a coherent like through line i mean there's every idea thrown in there that you could imagine but like the core beats of it make way more sense now the original was broken glass this is broken glass with chocolate chips so (laughs) that's yeah sure put that on the box um, oh, that movie never came out on a box. I have the Blu-ray. I have the 4K. Oh, wow. Is it, did it really? I didn't think it got a physical release. I mean, it sent it to me. Well, Maybe I have the only copy. Yeah, you, is it valuable? It, it may be after, after all the cuts. You know, I don't know if uh, yeah, Warner Brothers is going to be doing much. Um, I think I might have both both ones. I don't know. I definitely have the Snyder cut on 4K. Oh, there you go. Um, so with Watchmen. I remember seeing it in college as well. I feel like we might have talked about it like as we both saw it that same night and been like, it's fine, good, fine, all right, whatever. I've, I've kind of, um, as with many of Snyder's films, I like I liked it way more the first time I saw it, but I've sort of soured on it sure. over time. I think it's just, I, it, you, you want to like it because it does so effectively replicate the imagery of Watchmen, but it also yes. completely misses the point and like it's the the theming and the narrative because it's such a dense piece of work to come at it with such a blunt sort of like surface level reading uh, doesn't really do it justice yeah it's a shame because all the other filmmakers who tackled it and couldn't make it seemed like they were ones who understood it or at the very least we're doing a take that's different enough that it can stand on its own sure like you know the aronofsky or greengrass version like you're like i maybe it's different but i got in as soon as you knew it was Snyder coming off of 300, you knew exactly what you were getting. Yeah. And that's that's what you get. It's I this sounds meaner than I mean it cuz I think the movie is I think it's it's I think he accomplished what he set out to do is the thing. Oh yeah, but I think like he watching, would absolutely look back on it as a success. Exactly. It's like watching the most expensive, most carefully like made porn parody because there's no like plot-wise understanding of what they're doing. But boy, it looks close to what you saw in the comics. Yeah, well, and, like and even for a movie, it is in isolation. The shots are visually spectacular because that's what he's good at. 
Sure. Um, so so uh, it's not an unpleasant viewing experience. It's just especially when you know what the story is capable of, but also just seeing like the way that they handle a lot of the threads. It's like this should be great. And it's only pretty yeah. good. So quick sidebar and the extended cut. The yes. oh, sidebar from our sidebar. Yeah. yeah. Well, Miles yes. mentioned that Zack Snyder's you, you revisit them and they're not as good as you remember or they you know, they kind of fade. Is there anything, any one of his films that stands out as one that actually does hold up? So probably Dawn of the Dead. I was about to oh say, God. I've said this for years and I still may, uh, stand by it. I think Dawn of the Dead remains his best film, like by okay. a long shot. Because that's where I was like. Followed closely by uh, the the owls who guard your hole, your hole. That movie doesn't exist and nobody can prove that it yeah. does. Does I don't even know. I, I'm, I was making a joke, but I don't know that I remember the actual title. Legend of the Guardians, Owls of Gahul, I think. The only thing I know about that movie... The only thing I know about this movie, and I can't remember if it was when I saw it with you or the first time I saw it, but uh, or or, I mean the second time I saw it, but I was at the theater to see the town, and it must have been the second time, so after I saw it with you. Probably. uh, Because I went to the bathroom, and on my way back, um, I passed by a theater that was playing Gahul, and I, all I knew about it is that it's, you know, look like a kid-friendly, like, Talking Owls movie. And just hearing it from outside the theater, it's like explosions and screaming and, like, carnage. Yeah, it's, and like, it's like an like, action what is movie, happening right? in this movie? But I never looked further The owls it. are defending your gahol. Yeah. I, I refuse not to pronounce it gahol. Because where else would you have your owls? Guarding. The legend of. Um, yeah. No, the extended cut of, of Watchmen is just more of what you're getting. So it's whatever you uh, whatever you got out of it, you just get more of. Yeah. On the flip side, Apocalypse Now or Das Boot? Um, I probably haven't seen the extended uh, Apocalypse Now. I've only seen it once, and I don't know which version I saw. I think it was just the regular one. Um... Which is good. I like it. I've never seen Das Boot. I know it's a major blind spot. Ooh, I'm going to wow. get to it one day. But I, for the time being, I haven't seen it, so I can't comment on it. So um, I will go with um, uh, Apocalypse now. So in the in the we promise we're eventually getting to it, like reader's choice for a review. Now we have to add Das Boot to that. Yeah, whoever's keeping a running list, make sure you, you jot that one down. So it's Das Boot. It's uh, Mars Attacks. Well, no, I've and seen Mars Attacks. Hold on. Are we talking no, no. movies we'll talk about? Or like that side category of movies every now and then they come up and I haven't seen them, like The Father? Well, this one this one fits for both. True. Which, by the way, sidebar to that, to The Father, I have a link for this. We'll, we'll eventually get to the next uh, uh, yeah, face-off. Yeah. <laughs> Do you think Ryan expects anything different? Yeah, no, at this point. <laughs> yeah. But, but yeah, it tells you probably all you need to know about The Sun is that I will be watching it on my laptop. There you go. Remember when that was going to like be a big Oscar movie? Uh, we'll talk. Well, actually, we'll talk about that later. Joey's going to watch I, the uh, movie in real time while we record. It's probably going to, that's probably against some form of a law. Probably a piracy law in some way. Um, no, I was going to say I, I put up, so this is going, you know, when you guys are listening to this on Thursday, my Wednesday article was about potential first time Oscar nominees. We can maybe hit that a little bit later. But I'm going to follow that up next week with people who have already been nominated who could be in the lineup. And, you know, that movie's uh, lousy with those people. (laughs) 
uh, and uh, probably won't happen. But it'll be interesting when they're both out because I want I want to go over it the week after so we can talk about it. Which categories? Because I did it by category. Looks like my predictions and which ones are completely different. Because there are categories that oh that could be just be all five nominees in one one form or the other. And I found that fascinating, which was kind of why I wrote it. All right, Steve, Apocalypse Now or Das Boot? Um, I have not seen the Das Boot director's cut. Oh boy! Um, but I have seen the original, and well, I, I believe it was the original, and it it uh, it stands up to the hype. Um, I did also see Apocalypse Now Redux. I think that's what they called the director's cut, correct? Yeah. I believe that is... There might be other cuts in the way that, like, Blade Runner has a million, but yeah, Redux is the big, like, money was put into yeah, a release. that was released in theaters, theaters yeah. Please I saw that in theaters, I believe. Yeah, it came out. It was a big deal. So, uh, and it's a great film, and... I don't think it, I don't, it didn't take anything away from it for me. You know, I'm not like someone who knows every line and, and but I have seen the film several times. So uh, I'll go with uh, Redux. Yeah, uh, I also haven't seen the director's cut of Dosboot. Sorry. Um, but yeah, it's it's Apocalypse Now. That movie's yeah. fascinating in all versions. By the way, there are many versions of Dosboot. The first is the theatrical cut is, sorry, Miles, two and a half hours long. Yay. And, uh, the director's cut is uh, three hours and four minutes. Oh, jeez. Okay. It's 209 You know what? I may have seen that. The that act. may be the one I've seen. So it's an int- it's a it's a weird duck because so they um, – so you have the 149-minute theatrical cut, right? And German TV partly financed the movie. So the stuff that – like basically the deleted scenes play on TV. So there's a fifty. There's like six fifty-minute episodes. It sounds like this. And then, yeah, yeah, spread out over a long time. Well, right. is that your German, by the way? Uh, no, I'm not. Uh, so yeah, the the two hundred nine-minute version includes the miniseries stuff, basically, with improved audio quality. And then there's a two thousand two hundred and eight-minute director's cut that I believe is on blu-ray and then there's 149 minute there's a lot of cuts of this movie miles watch them all i will watch one of them at best um here's a movie i bet we've we've all seen multiple cuts of well two movies blade runner or aliens oh okay um so i don't know how many cuts of blade runner i've seen i think i've seen like more or less the original and yeah, you're aware of the several I, I'm aware of like the different phases of it um I'm gonna go out on a limb here and maybe this is a hot take I don't know when Ridley Scott says that Deckard is a replicant and that that's always been the intention or whatever I'm sorry but I call shenanigans on that I think the only thing that puts it in there is stuff that he retroactively like put in like the shot of the unicorn that's actually from the movie legend uh you know like all this like little stuff that he added that like makes it seem that way but like you know the screenwriter doesn't feel that way harrison ford doesn't feel that way like it's just him so it's yeah, kind of like notably wasn't harrison ford notably on record saying i played this role as a human yeah exactly and like you know i think the smartest thing 2049 did was like 
leave it open-ended either way where it kind of doesn't matter mm-hmm. um i did like that because i don't care well exactly like, I didn't get it. let's I didn't... not like because it's just it's such a it, it's not one of those things that's ever been definitively resolved isn't you know? it better to have a discussion yeah. about it and interpret the film rather than having someone say by the way you know this this is what you have to think and and know it's like you know it well, shouldn't be what it is there's it so many be, other you know, there should be some sort of read of it oh yeah with the same stuff but like what if i have to figure out how a replicate can father a child that gets into things that like are they is that a thing they can do i didn't realize like wouldn't you like make them not capable because they're create like i don't know well but again that's like the, the whole point that they're kind of evolving past what they were created for sure um but, but either think, way, I guess Steve, to your point, I think part of the reason I don't like some of the later cuts of Blade Runner is that it feels like it's pushing a certain interpretation, mm-hmm. whereas previously it's a bit more ambiguous. That said, the original sure. version has the Harrison Ford voiceover that sounds like he's reading it at gunpoint. Um, so True. I don't know that there's like a I, this is probably why I like the sequel better. I don't think there's a single cut of Blade Runner that's like the best one. Because the later ones have all the unicorn and like replicant stuff, and the earlier one is like, it's a little rough around the edges. True. Um, what was the other one? Aliens. Aliens. Which, by the way, also you said him reading at gunpoint made me think of curmudgeonly actors, and I almost said out loud, "Has Harrison Ford and Tommy Lee Jones ever done a thing together? Because they must be two of the most sour puss actors in Hollywood." And then I realized, <laughs> oh, they notably made a Best Picture nominee. Yeah. <laughs> Tommy Lee Jones won his Oscar for the film he made with Harrison Ford. (laughs) Which is still wild that he won it for, like, essentially a paycheck job. Oh, totally. But he's great. Done, like, to the nines. But I heard a story about him on A Prairie Home Companion, which I thought was very funny. He was having whatever scene, and it was taking forever. And he had a cold and just clearly was he was the mark wasn't being hit by an extra every time he walked out of the theater in the scene. So he was getting annoyed. And then he sneezed and some extra like said like, you know, because I'm tight or whatever. And he mumbled, you know, everything. and I guess, you know, Midwestern nice. They were assuming like there'd be a conversation. So the other person was like, I, I didn't get to say it first, but I said the same thing. And apparently like there's just death stare. He's he's giving them of like, I have a cold. It's the middle of the night. Like we're not doing this is peak Tommy Lee Jones. That's good. <laughs> I, I could not imagine talking to him about anything. Um, um, but Miles, you get to talk about Aliens now. Yes, Aliens. So Aliens actually, I think, has a very solid director's cut. It's uh, It doesn't add too much. It's really only like a small handful of additional scenes. But those scenes do flesh out the story and especially some of the uh, like Ripley's backstory, her relationship with her daughter, the whole backstory yes. of Newt and what happened to her family is in there. And like. It's a better movie. I don't know that any of it's essential, but it doesn't. It certainly doesn't take away from it, and it, it's stuff that's no. like interesting to know. Rather than you see a lot of them where just like the extra scenes are just sort of regurgitating stuff we already know or that's already been established or what have you. It's, this is a, it's a really good director's cut yeah. because it is meant to be watched. I feel like after you saw the first one, because I get why they wouldn't release that version. Because if you're just going to watch an alien movie. You probably want to get to the aliens a little quicker. No, totally. I mean, so, I, like, I see value in both versions. Whereas with Blade Runner, it's I like you want. the different versions are dancing around the ideal middle ground of the movie. Yeah. So, I like Blade Runner a lot overall, but I am going to go with aliens here. Yeah. I think we're hitting a very interesting thing. 
and uh, Steve, when you give your answer, tell me how, if you agree with this, that there are different types of director's cuts. There's the aliens of it all, where both versions should exist, right? Both are of value, offer a slightly different take on the same thing. And anyone, if you like one or the other, completely valid. Then there's also the completely irrelevant ones that, we're gonna, that we see all the time, the, the saws of it all. I keep going back to that one, but I, that was the horror thing for years. The unrated director's cut. And then there's ones like Zack Snyder's Justice League meant to destroy the inferior previous version. Like, mm-hmm. you should only watch one version. So, I like that we're getting into that. So, what do you think? And also tell me which one you prefer there. Well, uh, I agree. Yeah. There's, I mean, there's director's cuts that are really worthless. Good, you keep your job. They should just, you know, they're there either to make money or because of, it's of a, uh, you know, uh, someone who's little too arrogant and self-important and feels that the world needs to see their inferior version of a film that no one cares about. Um, but I agree a lot with... Wow, Steve. <laughs> tell us what you really think. <laughs> I agree a lot with what it Miles like had you said. you were talking about someone... Oh, sorry, go ahead. You sound like you were talking about a writer, not a filmmaker for a minute there. Uh, no, no, no. I'm not, not nothing in particular. I, I hear no. you. Uh, so <laughs> I, I agree with... You know, Miles made a great case, so I'm going to say Das Boot. No, I'm kidding. Uh, I'm going to go with Aliens. <laughs> well done. It's going to be a sweep. So yeah, Alien. First of all, I'm not the world's biggest Blade Runner fan. Like it's good, but it's good in the way of I want to watch an important film from the past, as opposed to I want to sit down, and make some popcorn, and watch like just a great fucking mm-hmm. movie. And Aliens is both. And and I, I, it's a slight distinction, but it's important to me. Uh, not that Blade Runner is not good. It's just I I don't feel like I enjoy it in the same way. It's more like hmm, that is Blade Runner. Cool. I'm glad that exists. Next up is two movies I did not know had director's cuts. That thing you do, or Little Shop of Horrors. Wait, that thing you do. Which Actually, one I think that? I did know that Little Shop of Horrors. That's Tom Hanks's. Uh, you know. The oh, Wonders, the Wonders. The, oh, that's what that know, is. Okay. You, yeah, doing that thing you do. Yeah, that thing you do. Is oh yeah, yeah. I did not know there's a director's cut. Little Shop of Horrors, I think I do, because I think the ending's different, if I recall. Wait, the so 1980s little, little Shop or the Nicholson Little Shop? I'm assuming the 80s version. Okay. I, did, I didn't know either had director's cuts, so. So I knew first. that Little Shop had an alternate ending, because I've seen that That's, in isolation. That might be what it is. But I don't know yes, that there was ever, like, a cut that put that in there. I'm going to assume that's what Ryan's talking about, and that's fine. Uh, we can count that. Like, it's a notable difference. Like, well, it's, it's a, a very different ending, yeah. Yeah, it's it's a... Can you, I, I don't know. It's a big swing. What is it? Can you reveal it? Is it I, I mean, it's the director's cut, so it's not that big of a deal. Uh, basically, it's sure. like giant plants, like, invade the world, and there's an extended montage of them, like, destroying cities and stuff. It looks very expensive, so it's... I'm, I'm kind of impressed that it's not in the theatrical version. Yeah. So which one do you like better? Or what we, or go back to your original thought. Uh, so um, I haven't seen that thing you do. I like I'm aware that it exists, but it's never a movie I've had any urge to watch. Um, I, I feel like I know what you would think of it anyway. OK. Uh, I think you'd be like, that was that was fine. Yeah, just it's Kelly not, might like it, actually. She might have already seen it for all I know. Uh, oh, maybe she's got to show you 31 movies. Cool. Um, <laughs> it's going to be a lot of like that 13 was... going on 30 and never been kissed and stuff like that. 
I mean, you did put in your wedding vows that she's wrong about movie taste. Yeah, I did do that. Um, yeah, that was a choice. So back to the face-off. Uh, so yeah, I can't speak to that thing you do. Um, Little Shop, I've seen, you know, the alternate ending in isolation, and I've seen the original film. I don't know if there's a separate cut, uh, but I I find that film absolutely delightful, so I can't not pick it. Yeah, I'm, I'm due to rewatch that. They're both charming. Steve, where are you going? I'm going Little Shop for sure. Um, just because... I, I believe I think I saw it online or YouTube maybe somewhere. Yeah, um, that's the only way I've seen it. Yeah, I think I because it sounds familiar. I, I enjoyed the original. Um, I'm not sure. I, I guess I don't really want a director's cut because I like it as is. But uh, yeah, it has my vote, so it'll stay there. Steve likes it uncut. You heard it first. <laughs> um, I'm inclined not to give a sweep. Because I, I do feel equally kind of charmed by them, but I'll, I'll I'll agree. I don't have a good reason. Like they're both thoroughly charming, and I feel like I've seen them. But I would eat, like if somebody wanted to watch them, I'd be like, yeah, let's do it. I don't know that I would actively turn either one on, but I guess maybe flipping channels. They're both they're both charming. They're charming. That's what they are. Um, heavy cinema now. Once upon a time in in America. Almost said once upon a time in Hollywood. Um, or The Godfather Part 3. The Corleone cut. Or was that uh, the the fall of Michael Corleone or something? Yeah, or like Godfather Coda, something like that. Godfather Coda, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, like the fall of Michael Corleone, something pretentious like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was very, like, yeah. The Godfather Coda, the death of Michael Corleone. Um. So that one, and then Once Upon a Time in America, which I'm sure is even longer somehow. So, controversial, I have not seen either version of either of these films. What? <laughs> oh, wow. So I, I, I listen, I got... I, Wait, the, you, you quit after two, right? Well, I loved the first two Godfathers, like, a lot, but I literally got, like, I think maybe 10 to 15 minutes into three, and I was just like, I can't. This is so bad. It's, like, painful to sit through. I I would be curious, you know, in a future assignment, watch the Coda version, not having watched most of the first one of the original cut. Well, and, and I'm so long ago, I wouldn't remember it either way. Well, because the um the recut version, I believe, is a little bit shorter, and most people like it significantly better. It's not they still don't think it's like on the level of the the first two. But apparently, I, I, I remember. I don't remember what it is. I have it, and I just I haven't watched it. But they he cuts out a lot of the crap that doesn't work. Apparently, but it's got an eighty six percent of Rotten Tomatoes for the Coda version. Well, that's better for yeah, a film that still uh, got nominated for Best Picture anyway. Yeah, that's true. Um, <laughs> so very much on vi- that in the year that Goodfellas came out and was nominated as well. What a choice. Two very similar gangster movies, clearly. Um, Once Upon a Time in America, by the way, the U.S. release, it's 140 minutes, already a long movie. The European cut of that movie was 229 minutes. Woof. The the extended cut, the version we're talking about here, 251 minutes, almost double the length of the original cut. Jesus Christ. So so just diving into that one soon, right? Yeah, I'll, I'll put it on the back burner the back of the back burner. Steve? So we have Godfather 3 and what's the other? 
Once Upon a Time in America. Oh. I mean, I, if you I haven't seen either of the director's cuts, but I am very curious okay. just because of the harsh uh, criticism against the original cut of Godfather 3. I, I'll go with that because I'm more curious to see that. Sure. Um, I'll, I'll go Once Upon a Time in America just to mix it up, though God knows I'm never watching a five-hour movie or whatever it is. <laughs> Sorry. It's a silly answer. Um, I Am Legend or Alien 3? So this is actually a good point for me to make that I was going to make with Aliens. Um, I have I bought, I remember as a kid, I bought with the um, money I made shoveling snow. Miles, you lived in Florida. It wasn't a thing. But well, I didn't grow up in Florida. I know. <laughs> so kids, oh my God, such, I feel like such an old man. Yeah, I, I shoveled snow in like the annual like Brooklyn snowfall and made like 80 or $90 or something. And I went to Best Buy and I bought the Alien Quadrilogy. Oh, I and have that. That box. Exactly. That box was like $75, I think, at the time or something like that. I think I just had enough for it. And it had all four movies at the time, along with their director's cuts. Or in the case of Alien 3, a different cut. Because Fincher, I think, told them the, you know, two, two rocks when they uh, approached him for it. But the other versions, I believe, are fully endorsed by the director. Maybe not Resurrection. Because I know he has a complicated relationship with that movie. But Alien and Aliens, like Ridley Scott and James Cameron, are like on board. Like here's, here's our version. So, I I also quickly will say I think all four versions of the director's cuts are better than the original versions, in the quadrilogy. Interesting. Yeah. Have you seen this version of Alien? 3? Nope. <laughs> and yet you have it. <laughs> oh yeah, I guess. Well, I mean, listen, I have it like out of a sense of completionism, and like just because it's a sure. cool set. But, like, how often in my day-to-day life am I motivated to watch Alien 3, possibly the worst Alien movie? Like, No, no, no. I'm not, I'm not curious to see a slightly better version of the worst Alien movie. You mean Alien Covenant? That's a close second, but at least that feels like a finished movie. Or should we have more conversation about AVP? I, that doesn't count. That's a separate thing. That's true. Also... How many podcasts talk about AVP as often as we do? It just comes up. What can we say? Uh, it's our, so it's, it's so it's Alien Three and what else? I am Legend. I am Legend. Again, I don't know that that's a cut. I think that's just a deleted scene, but like a notable deleted scene. Yeah. But it is a deleted scene that dramatically makes the movie better. It doesn't fix it. I still think that's a very. It's it's a movie with a lot of potential, but like the execution just isn't there especially in the second half um but what they change does improve it um i can't speak to the change in alien 3 but alien 3 just kind of sucks so uh and through no fault of finchers it's a studio hack job through and through yeah um but um can't remember what the I other one. I am legend. Yeah, I'll go with I am legend. Why not? <laughs> the one he can't remember. I couldn't remember what it was called, but I, I'm thinking <laughs> it's it. Really trying. perfect choice. Um, yeah. The have you seen the uh, deleted scene slash was it alternate ending for I am legend? I have scene? not. What does it? Is it closer to the like book? To him in any way because uh, it gets closer to the theme of the book because okay. basically what it is is he's got the female vampire zombie creature uh in his lab 
and it turns out the real reason they're breaking in is because um uh um he's got uh like the leader of the vampires is like basically trying to reclaim its mate um and 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 it it's not exactly spelled out but it leans into the original uh story's idea of you know he is the legend and he is the monster of their nightmares because he's been going around killing them kind of indiscriminately and the movie overall does not do a good job of expressing that message but that ending at least gets a little closer so then he like reunites them instead of doing the big dumb like blow himself up also are they they still doing that that, also are they still doing that sequel where he comes back i mean i mean i don't know if that was shelved after i don't know i don't know what he's up to right now at all beyond really hoping you forgive him with uh, emancipation yeah i don't know well i mean that sounds like a bad concept to begin with but yeah um it's 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 a much better ending but it doesn't completely fix the movie okay so i i had read the book i don't remember the book all that well but i do know that uh when i saw the film i was like why did you not just like follow it note for note and this doesn't sound like it corrects that so i will go with uh what am i going with (laughs) alien 3 which alien 3 i thought i thought alien 3 was we're we're doing great okay um so i'm like it's i'm assuming it's an improvement so i'll i'll go with that it is. By the way, it's going to be a full 40 minutes before we finish this question. It's amazing. Some of our best work. Killing it. <laughs> yeah. All, I'll go Alien 3 for the reasons mentioned above. We have two more to do. Superman 2 or The Abyss? Superman 2, I believe, would be the Donner cut. Yeah. Okay, so that one's a proper cut. I mean, they, you know, they had, well, they had to cut a few. Cut, but yeah. They had to cut a few corners to, like, finish some of the effects. Or, well, finish is a generous word, but, you know. Make, yeah, there's a couple to of make it watchable. Like auditions. <laughs> yeah. To make it a thing you can sit through. Um, I haven't seen the Donner cut, and I haven't seen the Abyss at all. So just going on the regular cut of Superman two, I like it better than Superman one, but I also don't like those movies really. Oh really? Uh, yeah. But so I'm gonna go with the Abyss sight unseen because it's James Cameron, and I like most of his movies from that era. Oh, we have Ryan chiming in. McQuaid. He says you're wrong. Well, that sounds like a pretty biased opinion, Ryan. That's true. Well, we'll have to debate once upon a time in Hollywood again one day. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Steve. Um, I don't know. I mean, I don't know. I, I wish I wish I knew what they added to these films. Uh, I mean, the Donner cut is tonally somewhat different but hard to judge i think just because it's not meant it's it's not meant to be seen the way it's seen yeah uh let's go with the abyss i mean you can go with just movie you like better i mean i, I actually I, I like i like them both um so yeah, it's a coin flip so i'll go with the abyss i think it's i think you're right in the coin flip i'll actually i'm gonna pick superman 2 only because i'm fascinated by those type of releases like side to that atrocious movie but love that i was able to watch it accidental love formally nailed the like incomplete david o russell movie that they just put out without completing it it's i don't know if you can watch it anywhere but it's almost worth watching just because do you remember guys remember what the problem was they never they never filmed like the actual nail scene right 
So the amount of cutting they do to suggest that maybe you saw that happen is stupendous. It's almost worth just for the like what the fuck of it all. If you ever get if you just Google that one day, like you can probably look it up. Um, it's phenomenal in all the best like the room style ways. And the last one, Brazil or Leon the Professional. Brazil notably with only one cut, right? Only one. Yep. Nope. They they put it out and they never tampered with it. No, Terry Gilliam is not like probably currently working on another cut. <laughs> well, no, he, he's trying to do La Mancha again. <laughs> he's like, I he can't believe he finished it. And no one cared, so he's just gonna do it again. Yep. He's you know, you know what they say, three hundredth times the charm. <laughs> yeah. Like what? A, also, was did you feel bad for him when that movie came out and like it kind of just got shrugged off even though i saw it oh it no well, worthy movie i i never saw it and i was curious i like i love the documentary about it i was gonna it, say yeah just, the like, documentary is great like there's no there was never gonna be any other fate for that movie like even in yep. completion it's an unfinished work because it, it existing can't measure up to the mythical like what could have been you know and they even like it's instead of Johnny Depp, it's Adam Driver. Like, there's so many things that you would count as like upgrades that you still are like, eh, I'm not going to be bothered. Yeah. Um. So we're talking Brazil and Leon, the professional. So I or Leon or the professional, depending on where you are. Yeah, it's always been a little ambiguous. Um, I really like both of these movies, but I sure. don't know that I've seen the director's cut of either. Um, hmm. so I probably have to just go with their standard versions because I don't know anything about them having. Well, I knew I know Brazil has a bunch of cuts, but I've only seen it once. Because it's also like there was. Is it? Yeah, I think it's the same as Blade Runner in that there's a cut that's the studio cut. There's a director style cut. There's other compromised cuts. Like I think it's similar to that. And like whatever version of the movie you want, we've got it. So I couldn't even um, tell you which version I've seen then because I saw it at a true. festival. Um, which honestly is not the worst way to do it. Just I saw it. And which version? Whatever. I like the version I saw. Exactly. That's enough for me. Um, so I guess I just have to go with them as movies. <sighs> Brazil is doing more, but Leon is tighter. Yes. Um, and it possibly features one of Gary Oldman's best performances. Uh, true um, everyone the, the, yes yes <laughs> the longer cut love that the longer cut uh not tighter because it's 25 minutes longer Ooh, okay yeah. well i don't uh, uh, sounds like they fucked with it so i'm gonna go with um the first one whatever it's called apparently Brazil. the um the material is all in the film's second act more of leon and matilda which i'm into um but uh apparently tested poorly Luke Besson wanted this version, but the extra scenes tested poorly. Well, there you go. So they, there you go. Um, I Spoiler alert, I'll go Leon. I think Leon's great. Brazil's solid, but kind of in a Blade Runner mode for me. Probably do a rewatch. Steve, wrap us up. Yeah, I agree Brazil with that. Uh, I, Brazil, I, I appreciated. I can't say I loved or liked. I mean, like, it's one of those films like, yeah, sure. I get it. But for me, nah. Uh, the Professional, I really enjoyed it. Um, uh, Gary Oldman's, mm. I think that was my introduction to Gary Oldman and his, that scene, it, I think it's in the bathroom with the, everyone is <laughs> every once in a while when someone says everyone, I'll just have to scream that at the top of my lungs in a subway car or a restaurant or a confessional, wherever. Um, 
and yeah, wherever it was natural. Yeah, it, I I could use more of that film, so I'm going to go with that. Nice. Um, let's talk about things we've seen. So uh, Steve and I will mention uh, Black Panther a little more briefly because by the time you guys listen to this, um, you'll be able to see it. Miles will probably be in the theater as you listen to this. Um, but I believe we've all seen a few a thing or two. Miles, you want to start us off? Uh, yeah, so the only thing of note that I did see uh, was the Banshees of Inishirin, uh, mm. which I... Which now you know how to pronounce it. Yes, well, they pronounce it in the movie. It's very clear. There you go. <laughs> um, I have been looking forward to this movie for so long, and it's been one of those ones that it's limited release for the past month or so. Um, Teasing it out for you. It is brilliant. I really, really enjoy it. Uh, I think it's easily McDonough's best film since In Bruges. I don't know that it's quite up there with that one. Just, But then again, that first one has such a special place in my heart. But this is yeah. really damn close. And more to the point, it's playing in the register that I think he's the most comfortable with. Uh, Funny and sad in the equal measure. Well, key word there being equal measure. I think it balances the two far more successfully than like Three Billboards or Seven Psychopaths. Um, maybe he should yeah. just not make movies with numbers in the titles. Um, that could be. I don't think that has anything to do with it. Just always be in Ireland? Well... Listen, this movie is Irish as fuck. Like they are going <laughs> full Irish with every aspect. I mean, of the it. Irish Civil War is literally going on in the background of most scenes. Well, and like I love that like the film is clearly like an allegorical like microcosm of that, but also none of the characters in the movie like have a full understanding of what's actually happening with it. No, isn't that isn't the sheriff or whatever going like, ah, I got to go to like a hanging. Later. He's going to a hanging, like, but he has no idea who's hanging who. And it doesn't really matter to him. No, it's just like I've been told I'm going to a hanging. All right, that sounds great. <laughs> um, yeah, hangings. It's oh, God, it's there, there's so much to love about it. Like Colin Farrell and Brendan Gleeson. So good to see them together again. I do think the casting genuinely works because you can tell the genuine affection that they have for each other under the surface of their friendship falling apart, which makes it so much more tragic. It's doing the work for you of like, oh, I know those guys. They're buddies. Oh, they're not buddies anymore. Well, not just that, but it's a great starting point for it. They're they're genuinely playing off of that, too, because they have such good chemistry and they have like, I don't know, like they just they're like they're perfectly mismatched with each other because they have such a different energy but the, yeah. the bouncing back and forth, like as it was in In Bruges, uh, is what gives yes. the movie kind of its lifeblood. Um, I mean, it's a it's a breakup movie. Carrie Condon, when I interviewed her, called it a breakup movie. Well, I think that's completely accurate. She's brilliant yeah. as well. I don't know if I've seen her in anything else. You've heard her. Oh well, she's in. Uh, she's the voice of something in one of Iron Man suits. She's, she's Friday, Friday, isn't she's she? In, she's she's in many of his suits. Oh wow. well, who can keep up? Um, yeah, she's uh, she's in a lot of Marvel. There you go. Um, she's brilliant. Um, mm-hmm. She's she really stands out. Barry Keegan. It's a smaller role, but he plays it. It might be one of my favorite performances of his. Uh, like so, everyone in is good. Even down to like the various townspeople who like, even if it, the movie doesn't spend a lot of time with them, you feel like you get to know them each a little bit. Um, and the donkey. And the donkey. And the dog. Yeah. I was going to say, yeah, dog. Dog and the donkey dog is great some great animal acting in this um yeah it's one of those things where it just finds the balance perfectly it's so funny for the first half and then it sort of takes this turn into like 
much sadder, much more bittersweet, like, like kind of like brutalistic territory, but like, it still feels absolutely coherent with the movie you were watching before. And you're like, just as invested. Um, And you have a good ability to, I think, um, take the, the allegory as far as you want it. If you don't really want to address it, you don't have to. And if you want to make it all about that, totally works. Oh yeah. It works either way because it, and because they don't insist upon it because mm-hmm. it could, it yeah. would have been so easy to write this in such a way where it's like spelling out what it's referring to. And like, if you're paying attention, it's pretty clear what they're doing, but the that's not the only thing the movie has going on. Like first oh, yeah. and foremost, fact, it's like, a good character piece with great like dialogue and scene dynamics. Yeah. In fact, uh, McDonough kind of not didn't push back, but like, didn't lean into it when I kind of gave him the opening, but he kind of made like a giant allegory of a movie. And he kind of was like, talked more about like, well, that wasn't like the, you know, the first thing on his mind. It's, it's, it might've been, you never know. It could just be like what he says, but it's, it's not easy to make that work. However much you want to invest in it. Like if you know nothing about Irish history and aren't interested, you can kind of just disregard it as like what's going on over there. And if you know what's going on and you find that fascinating, it's right there for you and you can extrapolate. Or if you just want to, like, think of it in the very base, like, friends stop, friends no longer being friends, fellow countrymen going to war, I see a, I see a through line here. You can, take a, you can tackle it a little, a lot, however you want, and it probably is as good a movie no matter what version you watch. Well, I gotta say, well, exactly. I'm, I'm very happy to hear Miles, your response to this, because I thought this film was right up your alley, and it sounds like it was. And everything you just said, Joey, is is exactly why. It, it's it, Right now, I think it's my favorite film of the year. Which um, Wow. Yeah, I, it cracked I mean, my top five for sure. I yeah. was very impressed. It, it, I, right, I, I did a ranking earlier today, which I don't usually do, and I'm like I'm gonna start oh, I'm gonna us. start doing it, um, and because of the reasons, what, what Joey said about you can watch it in different ways. I'm excited to watch it a second time, and I'm excited to watch it and get my read of it a second time. But then I'm excited to hear someone else who's got a more uh, a better sense of the history of Ireland and and you know the political. Yeah. issues there and bring that aspect to it because i think that's going to make okay i still have my read of it i still enjoyed it the first way i saw it i think i'm going to take more from it the second time but it's one of those films that you, you can you watch and, and discuss and and go grab a pint and uh and really Man, you know dissect and enjoy did you, you did um did letterbox or you just made like a list on like i a, did letterbox computer. yeah i it, i just did it nice. i'll have to two hours ago i'll have to find you I think you're the first person I followed. So, uh, oh. tear falls from my eye. I don't think you follow um, me. <laughs> by the way, I just pulled up Letterboxd, and um, the banner ad is our quote for she's No way. Oh, there you go. Yeah. It's, uh, yeah. In the, like, get tickets thing, the click to go to, like, I assume, run, uh, Fandango. Um, that's pretty cool. But yeah, uh, Banshee's very good movie. Um, likely awards player. One that Miles will be okay with as a... Uh, Anyone who follows him on social media knows he's, uh, you've been in crabby Oscar comments recently. (laughs) Well, I just, I think people are, I think you see these mini controversies pop up that are like based on absolutely nothing or like are initiated by people that like don't really follow this stuff and don't have an understanding of how it works. Who AKA need attention. 
Well, exactly. But then you see people well, you know who do we're understand, at. like, kind of fan the flames by drawing any attention to it at all. And it's just like, guys, mm-hmm. let's get some perspective here. Like, if Tom Cruise gets nominated for Best Actor, it is what it is. But let's not pretend that being nominated for Best Actor is some sacred thing that only happens to the best of the best performances because uh yeah no if he gets that's nominated not there's <laughs> yeah if... yeah and like coming from someone who like you're totally fine if that happens you liked him in the movie quite a bit as we do our well, recalibrations totally we we often find yeah. several actors and actresses who probably wouldn't be there you know uh you know with a fresh set of eyes looking back so you know call it 2020 hindsight but um you know every year you say Man, how did you slip in there? And how did how is this person a not the a not nominated, but b not the winner? You know why are they not carrying a, a an Oscar away from this? So, you know, the, all the speculation drives me a little crazy because I'm like, yeah, you're, it's often conversations with themselves on Twitter, and then and then when someone fuels yeah. a fit, the flame, I'm like, no, don't, don't, just just let them disappear because it's I don't know. I, I, I saw your I saw your tweets today. And I, I didn't even comment on them because I'm like, I just I just I have had it at times. Yeah, yeah, I got you. I'm um, a grouchy old man. Steve, you watched something recently, right? Hmm. Did I? I, I mean, I'm you sure I have. Sequel. Which which one? That you reviewed. Oh uh, oh yeah yeah Nola Holmes. Yes. Yeah, yeah I mean, I've watched a lot. That's that. the thing. I do. I, I watch so much. I forget what day it is. Um, I mean, I'm also now looking at your list, so like I can just tell you. What yeah, yeah, that's why I'm, I'm actually on my list as well to tell me what I watched. Um, and there's more. This is the this is the saddest version of Memento in history. <laughs> <laughs> well, I do have a tattoo that says Nola Holmes, and uh, awards rate our podcast one twelve. I'm trying to we should, trying to uh, figure those out. Right. We should we should probably talk about Memento at some point today, shouldn't we? Oh, well, I don't think that's the year we landed on, but that would have been a good segue. Oh, <laughs> I wasn't sure, and I was like, I have to try it. Right? I, I had that thought, but then it was like, no, we decided to do the other thing. But we, we considered I mean, doing we... a recalibration for the Memento year, and we're not yeah, going to do that. Yeah, spoiler, we're going to recalibrate later. I like that we both went silent at the exact same time. Like, because I, I had that thought, that. then I was like, oh, wait, no, we're not doing that, and then you did it. <laughs> oh, and what makes it even worse is, I just realized I was on the wrong tab. I have, like, Safari and Chrome open. And I was on Safari because that's where Letterbox was to pull up Steve's thing. And I thought I accidentally closed out the um, award season that I have on Chrome. If I had just gone the other link, I would have not made the the joke that three of us got. But I did. So there we go. Um, Steve, save us. Enola Holmes 2. Enola Holmes 2. It's an enjoyable romp. It's uh, it's exactly what you'd like it to be. I think it's... Is it an enjoyable romp for the whole family? Uh, it is. It's, it's that's what it is. Oh wow! It's it's it, it truly is though. It's that's I think it's it's a it's there's so many family films that about halfway through I start to tune out. I'm like okay, and the kids are still awake. I'm like oh, you just fall asleep so I can put on something better. But this one, uh, I thought the original was very good. I think this one is uh, is it's an improvement on it. I think it doesn't need to rely on all the setup. The Holmes and the Enola, I'm sorry, the Sherlock and the Enola Holmes relationship is more organic and real. The mystery is always going to be, you know, this, the second, uh, you know, the second ring of the circus. But the the top thing is, is uh, Millie Bobby Brown 
and and her portrayal. She's got a lot of charisma and just a lot of fun to watch. And the, the editing is great. They do like some Monty Python esque uh, cut paper type animation. The score nice. is a lot of fun. Um, and yeah, it, it's just it. If you've seen the original, you're gonna like this. If you haven't seen any and you're in the least bit interested, I say check it out because it's definitely worth your time. Um, it's you know it's nothing. It's not going to change your life, but uh, I you know I, I it put a smile on my face and I was entertained from beginning to end, and uh, and I'm looking forward to more. One thing I said in my review is it when it ends I'm like, man, when's the next episode? Oh wait, there's not. I have to wait two, three years if they even extend this uh, this franchise. So, if Enola Holmes two ever goes to Criterion, so it gets a physical release, it's not going to change your world. Are not going to change your life or something. Is the quote that we're putting on the box? Correct. It's not going to change your life because nice. your life is already good. Yes, and it, and this fits right into that. Mine? I don't. I'm not here for quotes. Mine. I'm here to tell you and <laughs> go watch the film. Enjoy it. You're gonna you're gonna have a great he, time. He's a purist. He's a purist, is what he's saying. Um, Letterbox tells me you saw two other films. Uh, one I don't think we have a ton to say about, which was Meet Cute. I liked it more than you did, mm. but it is what it yeah. is. You also saw the menu, apparently, which I believe you also liked. Yes, I, I, I really enjoyed the menu. Uh, I don't think the final course uh, worked as well for me as I was hoping, but everything up into it sure. uh, was. Uh, yeah, I could have left without the dessert. Let's put it that way. And I, I do wait, 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 Steve. Again. Were those were those food based jokes? Those were not jokes. He saw those it at an were... Alamo. He saw it at an Alamo Draft House. Ah. Uh... That's brilliant. Um, oh, right? Come on. Leave I, uh, me alone. I'm I tired. I want to watch it again. <laughs> yeah. I think I'm going to watch it again no. um, when I get a screener because I think it was a festival victim for me um, where like it's just at the wrong time of the mm-hmm. festival. You're at like peak tired. It's the first movie of the day and you're just you, you're like, I'd rather not be doing this right now. So you start fighting the movie. I, I totally understand that. Um, I I enjoyed it all the way I know through. You, I know you have that. I problem. even enjoyed it yeah. until the end. I just thought it was. I mean, I was I was so high on it, and, and then the end. I'm like, it's what it's kind of like a Stephen King novel. If you ever ever read his stuff, you go, how do you end this? And you know, it's badly. What was that? Badly. Yeah, I, I'd say it was done badly. It was just you know, it's just a tough. It's it's such a build up. That where does it go to? Yeah, and I again now, well, no, now yeah. knowing how it's it also ends, where I it's where I thought it was going was the yeah so that, that too kind of hurt it a little bit. I was like, oh, this is what we're doing. I thought you had a better yeah. idea. So going in, maybe watching it again, I might you know have uh, managed my expectations a bit and yeah, there's appreciate it more. There's stuff that makes me yeah. Once uh, Miles, you're gonna watch it a couple weeks probably, right? Yeah, I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, when we when we can talk about it, we'll talk about the the way the where the movie chooses to go at the end because mm-hmm. i i have a couple of like logistical questions that like maybe i wouldn't have cared about if i wasn't in that mood that i was in that day so we'll yeah um and then we've uh we've both seen black panther wakanda forever we talked about a little bit last week next week we're gonna probably do a more spoilery chat it'll have made like a hundred it'll have made like 200 million by 179.4 we'll be safe yeah well it's probably gonna make that opening weekend mm-hmm. But uh, and Miles have seen it, so we'll be we'll be beyond that point, and you can just skip that if you. We'll we'll tell you when there's spoilers. But quickly, um, I did notice the my reviews up on the site. Check that out. Steve has uh, spoken about uh, his thoughts, so you guys know that we really like it. 
I was slightly surprised that the reviews were mostly really good, but the occasional, like, it's just another Marvel movie. And I, I just, I don't know. It's, it's what I want to put in everyone's head when they go see it after listening to this, because this is the priority, that it really, to me, didn't feel like just another Marvel sequel. And I want to know what people think. So, Miles, keep that in mind when you watch it. Like, does it feel like it's clearly an MCU installment, or does it feel closer to a, like, not a one-off, but, you know, in that realm? Or no, I was just going to say um, I can sympathize with that in the sense that I just rewatched the first one last night. And um, that one, I think, is very interesting on reflection in terms of it definitely still is a Marvel movie and it definitely still has to hit all the beats. But just the world that it creates and all the extra stuff that sort of surrounds that is what really elevates it. So I'd be interested to see what that balance is like for this one. I'm actually curious how your how your viewing is going to go because you're also watching it right beforehand, and they are like a very different vibe. That movie ends on such a hopeful note of like the world coming together, and which all, really got yeah. me because it's like it's all like you know unfulfilled. Ah, uh, well, yes and no. It's you know the person, well, his, the man, his, isn't there, yeah. but like the legacy and what he stood for, I think, is still going. Sure, though you know at least. It was interesting that the immediate aftermath from Marvel beyond like, oh, Bucky's cool now, was to kind of tackle that a little bit of like, well, I don't we don't really want everyone to have a brand new like they hint at that a little bit more. It's just weird. That was the plot point that came out. Hey, hold on real quick. As opposed to. Oh, I want to interrupt real quick because I don't know if you heard that notification on my phone, but after two years and after saying uh, at the end of every podcast that I'm on Letterboxd under Film Snork, Joey Magidson. Is now following me. Yeah. I rarely follow people on Letterboxd because I don't do anything except um, add the films I've seen. But I should probably interact with it to some degree more considering we're collated on the fucking home. Yeah, yeah. But I mean, like, I was like, yeah. what is that ding on my phone? And there I am, now followed. Ding, ding, ding. Um, well, hey, look yeah. at that. Since we're, since we're, since we're bringing up the, the, the fact that we frequently share our Letterboxds when we sign off from the show... I'm 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 just I'm just glancing at my at the people who are following me on Letterboxd, and you know what? There's Steve. I see Steve there, and uh, but there's somebody else I'm looking for, and I don't quite um, listen for your phone. I listen. feel like I'm missing someone. Listen for that day. Listen for your phone because we're refresh. Have a refresh right now. Um, goes to show that. Oh I, look I really there! Oh, oh look, guys! You'll yeah. never believe what just happened. Right, what 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 happened? I'm curious. I'm actually curious how many people I follow because I don't know that I ever followed people. Um, I follow 66 people. Oh, I definitely don't follow that many. (laughs) Well, I guess I followed a bunch of people when I started and then never looked at it again. I don't know. I could probably call that herd if I really wanted to. I'm following seven people. (laughs) There you go. But the first two Um, people I followed on here were you guys because I listened to your freaking plugs thank you thank you there we go and uh the marvel cinematic universe appreciates this distraction i'm sure yeah. <laughs> uh, sorry <laughs> as i was talking about their box office being like squirrel you know good but maybe not great i uh, think they're I'm gonna do what happens, just fine yeah it's not their concern i'm i am curious if that impacts the potential like oscar buzz at some you know because it is it'll make its money and be beloved by people but, you know, that stuff happens when the, uh, you know, the critical community to some degree 
comes together. Like that, like Black Panther, the first one, it showed up during the precursors. That was part of how it became a thing, mm-hmm. also. So I'm curious how that'll turn out, but we we don't know. Um, and then I, what have I seen recently? I mean, I put a review up of Goodnight Oppie. It's a really good doc. Um, Black Panther. I think those are kind of the main things right now. I will watch The Sun by the time we do the next episode. Um, yeah, so I don't know that there's another thing that we need to get. Let's do another. Uh, let's do another question. All right. This one comes from Brian H. It says, "Great job as always with the podcasts and the site." Thank you, Brian. So both. Thank you. There you go. Both podcasts and the site. I like that. Uh, which do you prefer? Both the movie and the Phil Hoffman performance in the movie, if you have time. So it's a double decker. So we'll go quickly through. It. Oh, oh, do it. oh, don't worry. We'll have time. <laughs> yeah. Don't worry. Who needs we'll, sleep? We'll just keep going. Yeah. Um, all right. Big Lebowski or Punch Drunk Love? These are these are two performances that really highlight why he was like one of the greatest character actors of all time, because he could take what's on the surface and almost nothing role and make it like so iconic and memorable. Um, I mean, 90 percent of his dialogue in Punch Drunk Love is fuck you. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> No, well, the bit where he's on the phone and like Adam Sandler's trying to cut him off, and he's just like, "Shut up! Shut! 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 Up. Shut! Shut! shut. <laughs> it's so good." Um, yeah, he basically has two lines in the movie: "Shut up" and "Fuck you." Like, yeah, it's great, but he fucking owns it. Um, I mean, I really love Punch Drunk Love as a movie. It's probably in my top ten of all time, um, and I love that performance really stands out to me. So I will go with that, but no shade to Big Lebowski or his work in that because I think both are fantastic. Yeah, he's better in Punch Drunk Love and the movie is much better. I'm not a huge Lebowski fan. Steve? I am a Lebowski fan, but I'm going to make a sweep and go with Punch Drunk. Lebowski. For both? Yep, for both. Cool. Uh, Nobody's Fool or Scent of a Woman? Which uh, we may be talking... Uh, no, we're well, not talking about. Never mind. <laughs> oh, Keep God. Is years. that your second Oh, my God. Every year we didn't do... <laughs> That's your second attempt to tee up the recalibration, and it didn't like I know. This is why we shouldn't prepare as much as we did. We actually prepared more this week than normal. It's clearly not the way to go. Well, yeah, the preparation is working against us, if anything. Yeah, see, this is what you guys need to know. We're an improv group, is really what we are. Exactly. Um, so, right. Nobody's Fool, which one is that? Nobody's Fool, as I definitely don't refresh my memory right now. Um... Nope, that's a different movie starring Tiffany Haddish. This is the... Oh, Paul Newman, Bruce Willis. Um, the hell was that movie about? I know of the movie. It was, like, very well liked. Okay, well, it sounds like I probably haven't seen it, so I'll go with Scent of a Woman by default, but not... There I don't feel any strong way about it. You don't remember PSH as Officer Raymer? I, like, I have... I watched it and then I became aware of Philip Seymour Hoffman. You know what I mean? Like I, yeah, I yeah. would have to go back and look for him. Yeah, I got you, Steve. Scent of the woman, for the same reason. Scent of a woman. Um, yeah, yeah. I, I don't, I don't have a strong memory for Nobody's Fool, which I kind of re- hold gave on. Up there. Look that up. Um, yeah, he's not like the highlight of Scent of a Woman, but you can tell he's like. As a younger actor, like, yeah, this is going to work out for him. He's one I would watch in something else. He has that, like, watchability. Uh, we're going to have a big disagreement here, I want to say. 
The Talented Mr. Ripley versus 25th Hour. Ooh, okay. Well, I really like both of these films. Uh, Ripley, it's a smaller role, but it is very distinctive and memorable. Um, 25th Hour, you know, he has second billing. He's, you know, a very key player in it. Um, I don't love that his whole arc is about him being a teacher who wants to sleep with one of his students but you know that's neither here yeah, or there. whether he does or doesn't he definitely wants to uh which is hardly even the grossest thing a philip Seymour hoffman character has ever done but you know what i mean that's that's true um i think i think performance i go 25th hour but movie i go talented mr ripley all right steve hmm I'm going to go with performance for Ripley and I'm going to go with I'm going to go both yeah uh, no I'm going to split I'm going to go the opposite of Miles which 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 direction I'm going to go with okay. yeah so I think you officially had every version of this in the last 30 seconds yeah. you've hit all points um I'm going to go 25th hour for both cuz I don't like the talent of Mr. Ripley uh, I was bored I remember him, sort of. Like, isn't he the one who goes like, Tommy, how's the peeping? Yeah, yeah, he's great. Um, well, yeah, it's a great line. Movie did very little for me. 25th Hour, my favorite Spike Lee movie. That might be a hot take, right? It's up there uh, for it's me. Not, it's definitely in my top three. Yeah, I don't think it's that hot. Yeah, it's top three. What is it? <sighs> well, maybe the top right five. Thing might be number one. What? Do the Right Thing, 25th Hour, Inside Man, all in my top three for sure. And Black Klansman mm-hmm. four. Well, I was about to say Black Klansman might edge it out of, of the three. That's true. I mean, I guess I that just Inside lets Man. Me... So we all like the least Spike Lee movies of the of the, his filmography, essentially. No, when he no. he had a mitigating factor. No, none of us like Old Boy. That's true. <laughs> but no one does. I, I'm sorry. I, I did, like... I'm sorry. I didn't query you guys ahead of time to check. I just naturally assumed because you have pulses no, that you didn't like his version of Old Boy. Did any? Did he like it? Didn't he say like he did it so someone else wouldn't screw it up worse or something like that? I some mean. weird like yeah, I knew. It. <laughs> or that. Also, what a kind of cool shade to be like. No, nah, I made a shitty movie, but someone else was gonna make it too. So at least I got the money for that shitty movie. I mean, by the way, you know, thirty nine percent of Rotten Tomatoes. Three in ten people like this movie. There you Four go. in ten technically. I mean, listen, you know, you gotta respect the hustle, but that movie is no good. Let's see, fifty nine fresh reviews. Um, Steve, which one of what do you um, you did yours? I said I don't like twenty. I said I don't like talented Mr. Ripley. Twenty fifth hour is a sweep for me. I love that movie. Very good. and yeah, he's Very not. Good. I mean, he's he's in the shadow of several other actors, quality wise, and that, but he's doing good work. Definitely doing good work. Quick totally. question. I'm looking to uh, another yeah. sidebar. Um, have you seen? Speaking of old boy, have you seen Decision to Leave yet? I'm actually seeing it. I'm seeing it this weekend. You know what? I'll try to watch it before I leave. I have the screener on Sunday for the thing. So yeah. So I think maybe we'll maybe we'll try to discuss that next week if we can all get it. Okay. Yeah. I've been looking forward to that. Yeah. My my indie theater is finally getting it just this weekend. Nice. Um, What some of the top critics said about Old Boy the remake. Um. Viewers new to Old Boy will appreciate Lee's affecting and entertaining tale of a man unjustly imprisoned. Fans of Park's film, and there are many, wildly loyal ones, will likely be far less impressed. 
This is like good version of Arm and White. Yeah, I was gonna say, what is, yeah. what does our favorite critic have to say about it? He probably didn't like it. Uh, actually, no, he probably did like it. Uh, another one: a misguided, a visually polished remake of Park Chan Wook's violent revenge thriller. Miles is like, no, no, it wasn't. Nah, I disagree with that. That's Richard Brody of the New Yorker, like a fairly respected critic, right? Yeah. Yeah. Hollywood's wildest cinematic freakout since Shutter Island is a remake of and an improvement on the Korean original. Oh, mi- Mr. Roper, no. No, that was Richard Brody. Yeah, I, was say, oh, that, I heard Ro- Richard Roper. Wait, I'll find out what he thought. I, I was about to say he's dead. And I was like, that's the wrong one. Um, oh. I was looking for any other like top critic. No. Um, okay, well, Mr. Brody, yeah, that's wrong. That's yeah. uh, Listen, film is subjective. But that opinion is bad and wrong, <laughs> and maybe you have a brain problem. It is no longer subjective. Do you want to know what a Kurt? Lo- Do you want to know what Kurt Loader, formerly of MTV, thought? Of course. Of Hold on. Get the sound in. There you go. Uh, the story remains a very nasty piece of work. Okay. Positive review, by the way, because I know that was. <laughs> I was say, yeah, how do you, Wait, is that? How a- do you read that? Uh, Owen Gleiberman of Entertainment Weekly liked it. Ty Burr of the Boston Globe did. Mick LaSalle of the uh, San Francisco Chronicle. Betsy Sharkey of the Los Angeles Times. Oh no, Miles, some people actually like this movie. Well, listen, they... By the way, fresh on... uh, Got a good review from the Hollywood Reporter. Well, I'm... I wish I'd seen whatever movie they saw. I'm going to say this. They, they probably accidentally watched the original. (laughs) Well, if they they did not know who the director was would they be as kind to it as my question i think that you know i mean that's a good question do you want to shit on a spike there's not a lot of spike lee in the film yeah that one shot's there but that's about it it just doesn't well like the inclusion of sam jackson and like the beefing up of that character's role kind of like just because the way he's he's presented is very different than the that equivalent character in the original um, that's the only thing that I would even say is maybe close to an improvement. Yeah, I, and it's a lateral move, and it's not uninteresting. It's just like, oh, like, why is this what we're focused? I don't know. It's a bad movie. Moving on. Yeah, it's a very bad. Movie. Uh, <laughs> the Ides of March or Mission Impossible Three. Um, The Ooh. Ides of March is a movie that I thought was fine, but I think should have been great given its pedigree and its cast. But I think they're all that greatness. It, oh, it's so close. Well, it's got that one Paul Giamatti scene where he's talking about, like, if the Democrats ever want to get anywhere, we got to be willing to get in the mud and wrestle with the elephants. And I've always yeah. thought that was such a great, like, biting sort of like way of putting it. But like nothing else in the movie comes close to that. Um, there's, there's other things that are close. But, yeah, it, it ends a little conveniently. It, it, well, yeah, it, just it inches the, up. The plot revolves around like this girl that barely has anything to do with anything. And it just I don't know. I I, I wish I wanted to love it. Um, and sure. then uh, Mission Impossible 3. It's not one of my favorites of the Mission Impossible films, but I think he is easily the best villain that the franchise has seen. Um, yeah. And he kind of elevates that one for me. So I would because pr- he's good in the eyes of March, but I don't think he necessarily stands out among the cast. No, he's he's cast as much for that role being a Philip Seymour Hoffman type as anything else. Exactly. There's no, it doesn't give him too many moments to sort of shot. I mean, he's still great, but it like it's not about him as much. So I think I would go. I'll, I'll go Mission Impossible for both. 
Steve. I'm going to go with Mission Impossible for both as well. I think he really creates some weight and adds adds all the stakes to it. I think I, I agree with with what Miles had said uh, about him being the best villain. He's you know you believe him, and you you just like sure. and and that means a lot when you want to have a villain who's not just like twirling the mustache and uh it's uh yeah so there you go mission impossible three steve do you have a wife got a girlfriend uh why do you ask (laughs) so i'm gonna find her i'm gonna hurt her real Uh, bad so creepy uh no i uh no then so what I happens? think what we're what we're learning from this episode is that Joey does not listen to us at all because you talk about your wife all the time on this podcast. Yeah, that's... yeah. Well, imagine if we found out that he's got a he's got a girlfriend on this one. Oh. Ooh, twist. Yeah. Trust me, I don't well, have a girlfriend. Someone has not seen Mish. Uh, I, I... <laughs> he said that very loud in the house. You heard yeah. that? Um, if anyone's listening, imagine if someone doesn't. Yeah. Also, imagine if someone hasn't seen Mission Impossible Three and they don't know what's going on. Um, so here's the thing. Performance Mission Impossible 3, but I'm going movie eyes of March. I like it a lot. I get, I agree that it is close to an, a great movie, but I still think it's a pretty good one. It's also my type of movie. It was almost a shot of the like, day. I, I love it. Yeah, it, sh- it probably should be at some point soon. Um, next up, this one's like a personal attack on me, Brian. Uh, almost Famous or Boogie Nights? <laughs> um, oh, this is an interesting one. Both great movies, should go without saying. Um, he's both my top fifteen of all time. Nice. Um, uh, he's really good in relatively smaller roles in both of them. God, it's kind of apples and oranges, isn't it? Um, it is because they're very different performances. Like what he's doing in Boogie Nights is so raw and vulnerable, and like just lived in. But what he's doing in uh, Almost Famous is kind of a bit more like he's like that wise sort of like. Or like a play on that sort of like, you know, mentor type character. It's the closest he ever got to what we would have loved to have seen in like 10 or 15 years where he gets that like cushy veteran actor, old wise man kind of being a little funny role. Yeah, totally. His like good version of Finding Forrester, essentially. Like he was going to get that eventually. So this is the closest he ever got with that. Yeah, I think that's fair. Maybe a little bit of his Hunger Games character, but yeah. Um, that was that was that was the kids got to eat. Sure, but it's the, in terms of character type, it's as close as yeah, yeah. Um, gosh, I think. Oh gosh, it's it's a it board, it's a borderline tie. Like I really I like I'm trying I'm, like either for movie or performance. It's hard for me to pick a favorite. It bothers me that it's going to be that I'm. I think I'm going to go almost famous for the sweep, even though. It's clearly my second favorite movie on the list of all these. Like, ah, it's well, um, listen, the man had some great, great work under his belt. Um, I am gonna go. uh, Ready by the time we go. There's no good answer here. There's no good answer. So I said, I said almost famous for both just to see if I can edge you to go something boogie nights. I don't. Uh, Steve, are you, do you? Is this clearer for you? Yes, it's clear for me. All right, go oh, ahead. please, so, please. I'm going to go Boogie Nights for film, and I'll go Almost Famous for performance. Although the performance, I would, 
I mean, I could go either way. It's, it really is a coin. Yeah, yeah no, but, no, no shame. But for film, I'm, I'm Boogie Nights is more up my alley. So Miles kind of breaks the tie. Uh, well, then I'm just going to confuse the issue because I'm going to go um, <laughs> almost famous for film, but Boogie Nights for performance. Dun, dun. Yeah, why not? We covered all bases. Um, it's... This one, I feel like it's going to be a quicker one. A most wanted man or owning Mahoney? These are two blind spots. I have not seen either one. Ah, Steve? I Let me take a look. I, owning Mahoney... I have very mild opinions about both. I think I'll go most wanted man for film, Mahoney for performance. I don't know. Don't really care. Honestly. Yeah, most I was going to say, I, I, most wa- I don't know. The most wanted man is solid, but it's, it's should be, uh, that's a should be better movie. Yeah, I, I'm going to step aside for this one. I, I don't recall right, either fine. enough. Okay. We got a couple more. This one's a uh, real I don't like that this one is the, another comparison. Charlie Wilson's War versus Magnolia. Well, okay. <laughs> I, well, no, no, listen. I like Charlie Wilson's War more than most people. Yeah, I was going to say. Magnolia is clearly my film. I, I, here, I'll, I'll skip to the head for a second. Magnolia is clearly my film. It's one of my top five of all time. Mm-hmm. But I think I, I'll go Charlie Wilson's War for performance. He walks away with that movie. I actually think I'm going to do the same for both. I think Magnolia is obviously, you know, a masterpiece in the superior film. Yes. Charlie Wilson's War is like... Kind, Solid. It's fine. I don't even think it's that good. Should be better. It's another should be better movie. Yeah, for sure. But I will say his performance in it is among his best. He is a firecracker. Yeah, it's one of my favorite. He is the happiest maybe you've ever seen him in a movie. Just like doing Sorkin dialogue. He's like... This is the best written character in the movie. Like, I'm in. Like, just, like, what is it? Um, If I open this bottle, is it going to release sarin gas? Probably not, but but open it over there. Just to be, like, he's just, he's loving every, like, quick wit line in that movie. Well, I, lo- I love his monologue about, like, how he had to learn Flemish, <laughs> like, just to not, like, go on a mission. Yeah, yeah. I have, I, I mean, and I'm not in Finland. Like, yeah, his, and as he's getting progressively more frustrated as it gets more convoluted, the story, it's great. Or the, um... The woman in Pennsylvania he goes to to put a hex on people periodically. Yeah. That story is a good one also. Steve, what do you think on this one? Uh, I'm going to go Magnolia for both. I mean, I... Nice. I He's great in Magnolia. Love, yeah. I don't know that his performance... Well, it, I mean, it is one of the stronger ones, to be fair. But it's not... I guess that character maybe doesn't, like... It's less showy. Yeah, well, that's the thing. That's it's, exactly it's, it. It's it, not very showy. Especially compared to, showy. like... Yeah. Your Tom Cruise everyone else or everyone is, else. I mean that yeah, yeah, that, that film is, is just fantastic though, and it's like every every uh, actor in it, every performance in it is a, is a thread that makes this you know wonderful uh, mm-hmm. weave or whatever the hell you'd make with thread. <laughs> you know, it it, yeah, it's, yeah. it all comes together, and 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 that's what the thing is. It's not it's not like like you said, it's not as showy. It doesn't stand out, but it it's just like. The moments, totally. the moments, you know, in that room are uh, are just incredible, and it's like, and it, without it, there would be an absence. Uh, so, yeah, yeah. I'll give it to them. Oh yeah, the the moments, the momentum, oh. the momentum. Huh. Imagine if I went back to say, I know, like, is he going to try it a second time? <laughs> no, no, no. Uh, now it's now it's a recurring joke I get to do. Um, this next, we got three that more. No one understands our, our recalibration. Yeah, yeah, it's for us. It's late. We're we're enjoying yeah. ourselves. By the way, this one is the attack on Miles. Uh, Savages or Synecdoche, New York? 
Well, that's not an attack on me at all. I like the savages. Really? I thought you liked savages. I do, but Snatchkey New York's my favorite film of all time, and his performance in it is among my favorites, so it was never going to be close. Fair enough. Steve, how do you feel about this one? Um, He's going to say he hasn't seen Snatchkey. No, no, I have. Um, All right. I'll I'll follow suit. Snackety. You know what? I know Miles a long time. I give him the sweep. Oh, appreciate you. It's like, I mean, he's very good in both. There's definitely more going on in Snackety than every other movie ever made. Um, so I, I Ty goes to the ambitious. Run. I, I think with Savages, it's it's him with Lee that works well yeah, exactly watching... it's hard to look at either of their performances in isolation yeah and it's like the pairing that is what makes um, that movie work so well the award season sure did no yeah well uh, <laughs> doubt or the master um i'm not the biggest fan of doubt uh i Me i either. saw it on stage and i thought it was really well realized there but as a film it ah, it just feels Steve. stilted and awkward and like I think most of the actors are kind of miscast in it, especially Meryl Streep. Um, they're they're all doing like a good job, but yeah, they're all just like I don't know. That's who I think should be in this role. Not like you shouldn't have this role, but it's like I think a different register would have been maybe. More well, yeah, they're all like I mean, they're all playing to the rafters in the film version, and like it's one of those things where every dramatic line of dialogue has like a, a thunderclap of lightning behind it. Like it's just such a I don't know. It's not. It's a poor movie of a great play, and there are some sure. good performances in it, especially from Viola Davis. But like, it's not—I don't know—it's not a movie yeah, I ever is, want to go is, back this to. This might be the least of the twenty performances that we've talked about for Philip Zimmer Hoffman here. Like, yeah, it's and it's still—and it's it still be. not a bad performance. I think he's mostly good, but I think that should have been a home run, and it's weird that it's not. It also should have been closer to some of these other roles where he's a little more laid back and like sardonic and quieter. That would have made the role more interesting because you would have spent a little bit more time like questioning which way you fall on it. The like playing to the rafters, I think, is meant to get you like, depending on on your interpretation, on his side or off his side a lot more. Yeah, and I don't know, it just doesn't really translate to the film's benefit. Um, But the master, the master, I love, and I think it's probably his last. Like, I mean, every performance of his is great, but like. If you want to talk about the great of the great, that is like, like if that was his last performance, it would be an amazing one to go out on. Yeah. Uh, what was his last one? We know his very last. The Hunger, Games, the Hunger Games Part Two. Oh. Mockingjay. Which, yeah. like, he he obviously couldn't finish, so Woody Harrelson just reads a letter at the end that was clearly supposed to be his final monologue. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was like bye forever. It was Poochie. Bye forever. It was weird. Um, Philip yeah, Seymour Hoffman a... returned to his home planet. Yeah, uh, which listen, I wouldn't, I wouldn't, I would not believe. Uh, I, I mean, uh, it, it's, it's it's it depresses yeah. me. It's one of the celebrity deaths that you know. What are we five, seven years later now? It was the day of the Super Bowl, right? Uh maybe in the day, the day after. The Super Bowl. Uh, no, it was a Sunday because we were doing the award circuit uh, podcast when it like broke through. Oh, okay, so it must must have been a Super Bowl. Weird. Uh, um, still crushing. I think me. the day after, like a Super Bowl, might have been like Keith Ledger. That might have been a weekday one. I'm sure. Uh, this is morbid. I don't like this yeah. one. Steve, talk Let's about move on. this one. Oh, and, and real quick, in case it wasn't clear, I go the master for both. Yes. 
Uh, same same for me. I did hint at some more thoughts. So Steve, where are you at? Uh, same here. I think he's great yeah. in, in oh, doubt. I, I like doubt more than than both of you, I guess. But uh, the master yeah, yeah. for sure. All right. Maybe this one's uh, the attack on Miles and Steve. Before the devil knows you're dead or Capote. No, not so much. Yeah, I wouldn't say so. How come only I was attacked then? <laughs> Ryan doesn't so, like you. You're so sensitive. He says he doesn't like I you. I know. I just. Um, so Ryan, Ryan, thank you for the attack. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. It's all good. Um, so even yeah, how, how do we feel about this one? So ironically, even though Capote is like the performance he won the Oscar for and is one of the most frequently praised. I wouldn't even put it in my top five Hoffman performances. I think he's very Agreed. good. Yeah, and he's very I distinct, agree too. And he's doing a very specific thing, but I just think he's done so much better work. Like so much, also so much work and so much work that is better that it's like, sure. Also concede that you're, you're the last person to want to watch a, that movie in, in hindsight, like a, that kind of biopic. That's like, I don't know. I think kind it's a bad movie. I I enjoy no, it for it's, the most it's a part, solid movie. but I would never in a million years revisit it except for his performance. Um, and even sure. that, I don't know that I would. It's just I don't know. Also, I'm I don't know if this is a hot take or not, but I actually think Infamous was a better movie. Um, I, um the Toby Jones version. I don't think. Yeah, I, I think I Hoffman know. is better than Jones is, but I think the angle of Jones's movie is a bit more interesting little bit it goes it goes to a couple places that i was capote, capote is just like bored by that's fair capote dry. i find very dry i find very yeah. procedural in a way that isn't as interesting as it should be it's that bennett miller pacing which like works wonders for something like moneyball but with that or with foxcatcher yes. it doesn't always land moneyball most then foxcatcher then capote that's yeah. sort of how i would find the effectiveness do you remember the trailer or commercial that made it seem like it was almost like a thriller? There was like a real dark, like Capote when they did the like. <laughs> yeah, and it's not really the title. That's not what it is. So yeah, can you imagine going to see it? Like, I want to go watch like Truman Capote like solving this crime. Like, that's a fundamental misunderstanding of Truman yeah. Capote, but still. But no, he. I mean, Actually, listen, he nails it, and he's like barely recognizable in it, especially when he's. Oh yeah, and so you're not going to complain much because it gave him a goddamn Oscar. Exactly. Um, All that to say, I absolutely love Before the Devil Knows You're Dead. We've talked about it before. And I think his performance in it is among my favorites of his because he does Mm. such a great job of providing empathy for an absolutely despicable character. And I think that, like, is the kind of thing that he was so great at. But, like, this is a role that really lets him flesh out that that particular tool in his kit. So uh, Devil Knows You're Dead for both. Same. Yeah, same as well. I, I mean, Capote, he's he's good, but I I really wish he had won it, won his Oscar for something else because it that that one doesn't connect it with me emotionally. Just it's just you know I saw it, I appreciate it, but uh, before the devil knows you're dead is you know is one that I would I would have loved to have seen him yeah. win win for something like that. Well, let's let's play this game. You want to give him if you want to give him an Oscar, it has to be for something else he was nominated for. Because mm-hmm. we we're going long enough that we we don't need to dive into like the ones he, uh, you know, like figuring out how to get him an almost famous nomination kind of thing. So um, you can go ahead. Supporting actor three times: Charlie Wilson's War, Doubt, and The Master, two thousand eight, two thousand nine, two thousand thirteen. I mean, The Master is like the kind of performance that that category exists for. Like that is a um, yeah that that was uh, that was. Um, Christoph Waltz for Django Unchained. 
Yeah, Kristoff already had got one. I think if he'd never gotten it for um, Capote, that the master would have been. I mean, frankly, I think he should win for both. But here sure. we are. I mean, the doubt one you're not taking away from Heath Ledger. No, not he, even close. He's, he's also the five in that lineup. Yeah. And uh, you're not taking it away from Javier Bardem. Yeah. So I think the master I would be perfect. You. Which, by the way, this was what our um, recalibration was initially going to be until I, we were uh, Miles and Steve told me that we're pretty sure we did this one already. So if nobody remembers that one, tell us. But we're pretty sure we did it already. Uh, good year. Was that the 80th Oscars? Yeah. So I guess we're doing it for uh, the master, right? That'd be the one. Sounds good. Yeah, unless Steve disagrees. No. Yeah, I was waiting, Steve. No? All right. There we go. Solve that one. Speaking of Oscars, before we recalibrate, the Academy recalibrated. Eh? Eh? Um, by giving us a new Oscar host. And by that, they gave us an old Oscar host, Jimmy Kimmel. Um, we've talked about Oscar hosts. I think we even like suggested some once upon a time. Um, it's a <clears throat> very conservative, like low risk version. So I didn't have any issue with it, but I know some people were, were annoyed. So did you guys uh, have any opinions? Because we, we've been pretty clear on like Oscar hosts are kind of like a, a no win game at this point. Yeah, I kind of just it's one of those things where any choice that they're realistically going to make is one that doesn't hold much interest for me. Like I, I heard it floated around that they were considering getting like the trio from only murders in the building to do it. And that would be great. Yeah. But outside of that, it's like, it was always going to be this. I, th- I think they tried some stuff last year that obviously backfired. So I think they're prop, I think to me, especially cause they're announcing it this far out that signals to me that they're going to try and go back to basics a little bit, um, which I think will be a great thing. And I think, you know, lean into your niche audience rather than trying to recapture ratings. Um, As we've long said, like, it doesn't work. That said, um, you're, you're it, not excited. it's not an exciting choice in the least. No. And, and I think we talked about before the show, he's always been a, like a competent host. And, you know, some of his side sketches don't necessarily translate, but like. For the like, in terms of somebody who's just there to keep the show running, like he's not exciting. He's not among their best, but he's done it a few times, and it, well, and he did it for like one of the craziest endings they've had. Mm-hmm. Um, like he can keep it moving, and maybe exactly. that's what we need more than an exciting choice at this point. Because last, yeah, we, we they tried to do a thing last year, and that did not work. It did not work. So no, it's, I, it's I think fine. They're going to change. If they were going to change at this point, they should. It would only be maybe to pursue actors and actresses. Yeah, but I think we found was always a thing. I think we found in the past that that rarely works very well. That makes me think of like well, Hugh Jackman and Anne Hathaway and Franco doing it. Like or last I feel like year, I did have a, I did have a thought. Yeah. Or last well, I've, year, I've, exactly. I've, yeah, I've long said um, Tom Hanks would be a good host. Yeah, in a like yeah. similar like keep the show moving, like affable. But I don't know America's why he would want also, to do that. No, he wouldn't want to. He'd be like, fuck that. But the one that I, I really I, I stumbled upon as a potential home run. Again, like, why would they do it? Ryan Reynolds. Mm. I spoke to him. I spoke to him two days ago. And yeah, I think he'd be a good he'd be a good host, but not not a he's great gonna, one. Gonna, I get a I get like a like a headhunter fee for this one though, right? If he does it. <laughs> 
no, I, I, I can um, see them going for him, but I don't know that it would. It's be... the type of thing that would fit like the like, oh, maybe we'll get ratings with our host, but still being like, uh, yeah, you'd have a good time. And like, you just need like a charm the pants off factor if you're going to yeah. do it, the actor thing. I, I, yeah. You know, like James Franco. Ugh. Well, that. Yeah, I don't, that, I, that was a strange horribly. choice no matter what. <laughs> I mean, the, like theater kid Anne Hathaway was was a fine choice. Well, she, um, frankly, like, she would have done better if she did it on her own. I agree. Exactly. But, you know, for reasons that I'm sure have nothing Franco to do with Lee. misogyny, she's uh, considered like, oh, we can't just have a woman co-host alone, an actress, like, you know, terrible. But, um, yeah, I, I, they're never go- – the days of an exciting host are long, long gone. Like, the most exciting they were to get this year would be, you know what? Chris Rock is going to come host it after he was assaulted last year. Well, I don't know. They but, they would have to arrive at his house with a literal dump truck of money for him to say yes to that. Oh, yeah. The fact that he said like seven months earlier, like, yeah, they asked me. And I was like, no, no, I'm good. Was a pretty clear like I have no interest in this. Um, Steve, you have any thoughts before we move on? I, I'm a fan of Jimble Kimble. Uh, Jimble Kimble. <laughs> and he I mean, I think what he brings to it is that connection to the celebrity, the connection to the the studio audience or whatever you'd call them, you know, those in yeah, attendance. Yeah. So that works there. I, I, you know, I'm not sure, you know, I don't think he's got the film knowledge to bring anything uh, besides that. He likes film, yeah. is a thing, as opposed to sometimes the years where we had the ones who are like, fuck these Yeah, people. well, that's like, true. I don't know. That's so, you know, it, it, he's, he's fine. Uh, I think, you know, I, I have no issue with him. I just hope they, uh, they, pull back on some of the late night TV talk show type uh, segments yeah. and, and focus you, on film. You would hope. That's it. Focus on film and you win. You would you would hope. Uh, Miles, i give you an alt. How about uh, Ryan Reynolds and Hugh Jackman together? Yeah, I'm not. I'd, I don't think that would be an improvement. You don't want a, you don't want a four hour uh, aviation gin commercial? You mean a four hour like preview for deadpool 3 no not especially fair um jackman's good that works yeah well i'm sure we'll we'll in the future have more to say with the oscar host because we always do um let's wrap up with an oscar recalibration so we will be doing noir vember style recalibrations for the rest of noir vember um assuming we don't run out of them um next week we're gonna do chinatown actually so if you have strong thoughts about what Chinatown should or shouldn't have won or what should have beat it, uh, hold them for a week, I guess. But we're flashing back to a film we've talked about a couple of times. And I think last week we talked about it, right? It was one of the noirs listed, right? Or is it from a different episode? We recently talked about this film I'm about to mention. Uh, Might have done... I think we all just really like this movie, so we're constantly thinking about it. Maybe. In any event, um, we were looking at noirs to talk about, and uh, we we all just agreed we really like this movie, so it was a fun one to do. Who framed Roger Rabbit? Oh, you know what it was? It was our introduction to something. That's what I remember. That was the context we spoke of. It was like our intro to like live action and animation kind of. Oh yeah, yeah, together. yeah. We we had some. We talked about it for some reason. Um, so yeah, we we love the movie. Let's see how it does um, at the Academy Awards. By the way, uh, spoiler alert, it was the fourth most nominated film that year. In a year that no, no one got double digits, by the way. Hmm. 
Interesting. So, well, back when they used to spread these... things out a bit more. Yeah, it also has the second most victories. And tied for the most if you count a special one. But we're not going to count the special one. All right. Visual effects. Who Frame Roger Rabbit wins if you recall Die Hard or Willow? Uh, leave it. Leave it. Mm. Die Hard was nominated for visual effects. That's fascinating. That, that explosion on top of Nakatomi Plaza doesn't make I mean, itself. it's more like stunt work and explosives and stuff. I don't know. That's just interesting to me. Yeah. I guess you work with what you have in a given year. True. Uh, well, there's also there's that there's the uh, the big ending where the uh, the villain falls yeah. down. You know, it's like down the yeah. as an elevator shaft. Wait, whatever it is. No, he falls off. No, he, he falls, falls off, off the outside. Oh, the outside of the building. That's what he, it was. And then wakes up. And then the other guy wakes up to try to shoot um shoot them. So, um, but uh, yeah, it, 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 keep it, it, keep it. All right, cool. cool. Uh, film editing. Roger Rabbit wins. If you recall. Die Hard, Man. Gorillas in the Mist, Mississippi Burning, and Rain Man. i uh, leave it. Mm, yeah, leave it. Sure. I, I'm, I would have been amenable to Die Hard as a backup for that one. Yeah, that would have been my second choice, but I just think when you factor in all the extra stuff going on with Roger Rabbit. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Best cinematography. Mississippi Burning wins. If you recall... Your options are Rain Man, Tequila Sunrise, The Unbearable Lightness of Being, and Who Framed Roger Rabbit. <laughs> uh, recall. I'd say keep it. I'm I'm interested to see how this goes. So I'll say recall, but I, I think we might end up back. Um, Steve, you're keeping Mississippi yeah, keeping for it. now? Yeah. All right. Miles? Um... I don't know that any of these jump out as far as cinematography goes, but I'll go with um, Lightness of Being. Oh, well. And I'll go Roger Rabbit, so it stays Mississippi Burning. Fair enough. Interesting. Uh, I, Roger Rabbit, like, it's groundbreaking cinematography and it's capturing images like that, but in terms of what it's doing, it's solid. Yeah. Um, costume design. Dangerous Liaisons wins. There's a lot of S's at the end of that one. Uh, if you recall, options are Coming to America, A Handful of Dust, which we've all definitely seen. Wonderful. Um, Sunset, and Tucker the Man in His Dream. Oh, God. There's a movie that nobody has thought about for <laughs> however many years. <laughs> I, think they, I think they re-released it recently because I think I have it. Um, what the tuck? We're talking costume. I'll, uh, I'll yeah. uh, recall. Oh, I'll keep it. Oh, you know what? Let's recall. Yeah. All right. Fine. Let's recall. Uh, by the way, I'm going to jump and say I'm going coming to America. I'm also going coming to America. I'll say day, uh, dangerous liaisons, but coming for America would have been my other. So, yeah. Coming for America? Did I say coming America. for? Steve. <laughs> coming yeah. in. Uh, I'm t- <laughs> <laughs> on. Coming on. Yes. There you go. <laughs> We're gonna get a we're gonna get an explicit content warning on this episode. Um, best makeup. I, I feel like we're probably not recalling this one. It's Beetlejuice. Um, but your options are coming to America and Scrooge. Coming to America is some good Rick Baker work, though. Hey, you know it what? does, but you cannot take that away from Beetlejuice. Really? Beetlejuice, Beetlejuice. 
trying to think. What's it? What's Miles? Where Miles won't? Well, Steve, because coming to America, you have the several versions of of Eddie Murphy. Scrooge is actually pretty good. Yeah. Um, you have I forget who who played him, but you have the Marley character uh, face falling apart. I thought you were about to say Bill Murray's character. I was like, it's Bill no, Murray. No, it's, I, <laughs> um, it's, it's a pretty it, good they're, casting, they're, they're right? Good. John Forsyth. Yeah. They're all three are very good. Mm-hmm. But I think Beetlejuice is the one, so I'm not gonna. Recall. Okay, so I guess we're not gonna recall some. But, but I, I, I feel like we would probably just end up two Beetlejuice, one coming to America. Yeah, give or take. Yeah, yeah. But it's a good year. You actually have three uh, films that you say. No, that's, oh, that's one of the best makeup. Yeah. I mean, that's a perfect case for why you should have five. Because like, if those if those three perfect nominees are there, you can't find two more that are good. Right. Like, yeah. Um, but yeah, they, they would be the top three in almost any lineup. Art direction, dangerous liaisons win. So Miles might get a shot at that one. If you recall, your options are Beaches, Rain Man, Tucker the Man in His what Dream, the Tuck, and Who Framed Roger Rabbit. Uh, recall. Recall. I guess we're recalling. Um... Yeah. Well, you're taking too long, so I'm yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's fine. It's fine, this, man. Yeah, I. I... <laughs> I need sleep. <clears throat> well, I'm, you're costing yourself sleep every time you. I, I, um, I, I like to right, be wow, authentic. I like to give my honest opinion. Steve is dripping with authenticity. Mm-hmm. And Pinot Noir. I spilled it on myself. That's true. Okay. Wait, you, you, if you're spilling it, you should probably pay more attention. So, Miles. Oh, oh, are we doing the thing? Okay. Uh, yeah, we'll thing. <laughs> I'll. I will give it to Roger Rabbit. Oh, so you're recalling is what you're saying. I thought we already yeah, decided we did, on the we recalling. Did. did we? Yeah, we did. Oh, we did. We did. Okay. Now who's not paying I attention? So I got so caught up in lecturing Steve. You're right. You're right. Um, yeah, Roger Rabbit's works for me. Yeah, it works for me as well. Is Roger Rabbit four for four? I think so. Uh, no, I, I think there was one that we didn't give it to. It's four for five then. Um, oh, cinematography! Yeah, cinematography no, didn't. No, no, we gave it. To no, cinematog- we gave it to Roger Rabbit. No, we, no, we didn't. You're yeah, right. You're right. It, it went Burning. back. Yep. All right. Cool. Um, sound effects editing. Who framed Roger Rabbit wins? If you recall, Die Hard or Willow. So it's it's visual effects all over again for sound effects. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm create real real creative academy. I'll leave it, but. Yeah. Ricola. I'll play this one out. Well, if we are recalling. Roger Rabbit. Well, no, if we are recalling, then fuck it, I'll go Die Hard. All right. Die Hard. Steve. I'll go Roger Rabbit, but yeah, Die Hard would have first. Also, by the way, Willow is better. You know what? Thinking back about Roger Rabbit's uh, sound effects with all the cartoon, you know, elements. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I'm going to go with that. Are you surprised it was eligible? No, no, no. Oh, wait, I'm, I'm going to go back and, and uh, I'm going to switch my vote. So I'm going to... Re- uh, oh, well, Roger Rabbit yeah, wins then. Sorry. sorry. What the hell just happened? Die Hard is a, Die Hard is a more classic you know, sound effects uh, landscape well, you know, to work let's, with. Let's, Roger let's Ra- Rabbit has... In best sound. Okay. Maybe maybe there's another matchup to be had. A bird wins of that Of course. Oh. Yes, the Clint Eastwood biopic oh, yeah. of bird parker that you definitely have seen um oh, yeah. if you recall your options are die hard gorillas in the mist 
Mississippi Burning, and Who Framed Roger Rabbit. They're back for more. And this is the last Roger Rabbit nomination, I believe. All right. Well, Recall. Because I've never Recall. even heard of that bird movie. Oh, really? Oh, it's Charlie so- Parker. It's it's Eastwood making a movie about Charlie Parker. Hmm. With Forrest Whitaker mm-hmm. playing him. Oh, that could be good. It's it's solid. Yeah. It's not a Clint Eastwood movie that you have to be mad at. Uh, recall. Fair recall. enough. He's still recalling. Yeah, yeah, recalling. So uh, are we give, are we doing Die Hard on this one? <laughs> die Hard. Sure. Sure. There we go. Everyone's happy now. Best original song. Let the River Run from Working Girl. Carly Simon song. If you recall, your options are calling you from Baghdad Cafe. Oh, oh, we've got a winner coming up. And Two Hearts from Buster. Buster. <laughs> I don't know. Yes, Academy Award nominated Buster. Buster, Buster is a movie star. Yeah, Joe exactly. Collins, it's, by the it's, way, who wrote the song. <laughs> I'm sorry. Sorry, Phil. Um, it's a 1988 British romantic crime comedy drama based on events from the Great Train Robbery. What do you want to do? Uh, let's make a there you uh, go. starring Phil Collins and Julie Walters. A crime comedy. Who do you want to cast? Phil Collins, baby. Yeah, he'll write us a song. <laughs> Two hearts, and we'll laugh at it. Oh, yeah. Uh, Are we well, keeping this one? I, we're, we're, we're indifferent, or we're, we're just mocking that one. I mean, I abstain because I do, I don't know anything about any of these. I'm going to say I think I know. Let Carly Let, Simon won for that, so let's. Yeah. Just give it to Carly Simon. Yeah, let's she keep seems it. Nice. I know that song, I think. I do like Phil Collins. Uh, Calling You from Baghdad Cafe, music and lyrics by Bob Telson, I cannot help you with. Best original score. The nom- If you recall, your options are The Accidental Tourist, Dangerous Liaisons, Gorillas in the Mist, and Rain Man. You've heard of all four mm-hmm. of those, right? The winner was The Milagro Beanfield War. Oh my gosh. I'm actually going to keep it because I've seen that movie and it does have a good score. I know. It's a Robert Redford way. It's just funny that it's the title that you've least heard of. Because when was the last time you heard anyone say that movie out loud? Well, I don't know that I know the other one, the Gorillas in the Mist or whatever. You don't know that? You don't know that one about about Diane Fossey? Scorny Weaver. If you say so, I'd never heard of it. I'm going to recall. Interesting. I'll, I'll recall too. Um, I don't know where I'm going yet, but I guess Miles is uh, is Beanfield. He loves yep. Beanfields. It's 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 one of my mother's favorite films. Oh really? Oh, oh, there you go. Yeah, that's her Robert Redford. Yeah, your mother loves Beanfields. She does. Well, she likes that Beanfield certainly. Yeah, at least one. We 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 know there's at least one. <laughs> um, Steve, where are you I'm going? going Rain Man. Of course. Yeah, I, I like that Hans Zimmer score. Yeah. I'll do that. Accidental Tourist is John Williams, Dangerous Liaison is George Fenton, Girls and Misses Maurice Jarre. Dave Grusin wins for. Um, Let's for see how one. many. He, but yeah, Has he Man. won any any yeah, others? I'm not mad at Rain Man winning. Hans Zimmer, yeah, he has a couple. No, no. Uh, what's his name? Grusin. Dave. Uh oh. <laughs> Sorry, Grusin. Grusin. He'll he'll be known as yeah, Academy Award nominee, Dave Grusin. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I'm, I'm going to assume no one has seen any of the documentaries. Yeah, just, let's just skip it. Same with the shorts. Yep. Uh, yep. Uh, foreign film, uh, you've probably seen the winner, Hell the Conqueror. Or at least know of it. I think I've seen a couple of these, but I, th- I think I've seen three well, here, of these. We'll play this one. Other nominees are 
Kanusen from Hungary, the music teacher, Belgium, Salam Bombay from India, and women on the verge of a nervous breakdown from Spain. Yes, that is Amadou. Mm-hmm. I abstain because I don't know any of them. Uh, I go Pell. Uh, I'll say I'll, I'll say Pell. women on the verge. All right, and Miles abstains, so it's it's Pell again. There Congratulations, you Pell, you win. Yeah, there you go. Uh, best adapted screenplay, as it was called at the time. Best screenplay based on material from another medium. Dangerous liaisons, Christopher Hampton. Not that I'm trying to uh, influence anyone, because actually this is a kind of meh category. Um, he does still have one from the father, if you do this. So if we recall, Oof. The Accidental Tourist, Frank Galati and Lawrence Kasdan, Gorillas in the Mist, the movie Miles didn't know existed, uh, Anna Hamilton Phelan, Little Dorrit, Christine Edzard, and The Unbearable Lightness of Being, Jean-Claude Carré and Philip Kaufman. Uh, recall, but I don't have strong feelings. Well, I, right. I, I'm going to recall just because, uh, yeah, let's yeah. see what happens. People have mothers. They do. Sure. <laughs> uh, um, I'm going to go so, lightness of being again. Okay. Uh, I'm going to go with that as well. Wait, is that the one? Oh no, I'm sorry. It was the, uh, the Beanfield war. I'm sorry. Uh, I, I was, I, Wait, I was, what? <laughs> Your mother likes the the, the, the uh, Milagro Beanfield War, right? Yeah, yeah. That's I thought I, I was I was get, I was going to give her a win. Uh, shit, it's uh, not, not nominated, is it? No, I know. No. I, <laughs> What's I, I love the. Ver- I love Miles's voice was the equivalent of him just leaning forward in his chair and putting his like chin on his uh, fist to be like. Yeah, I, I can't wait to figure out where this <laughs> the unbearable is lightness. I was like, it's and that's the one I thought that that she liked because you picked that earlier for. Uh, I think I think in the history of you guys talking to each other, that was the most anxious Miles meant to hear the second half of the sentence. Well, you picked you picked the unbearable <laughs> so lightness confused. of being for cinematography, right? I thought that was the one, the film that your mother liked. So I was helping out your mother, but. <laughs> Let your mother know. Every time you say, uh, every time you say your mother liked him, just getting like Sean Connery celebrity Jeopardy flashbacks. <laughs> your mother likes a Trump. Your mother. Your um, mother likes a Malagro Beanfield War. Listen, there's an old, uh, or an old, um, what do you call it? Uh, what the hell is commercials called? Celebrity. No, the long commercials at night. Um, infomercial, where they used to sell a. And uh, karaoke machine, and the climax of this half-hour-long family drama was the father admitting, uh, or it's a long story, but it's about a karaoke machine. Try to find it. It, it ends like this: Your mother loves Kenny Rogers, and I've we've been quoting that. Me and my friends have been quoting that for about thirty years now. So, uh, your mother loves you know your mother loves the unbearable lightness of being. At least I thought, so I'll go with that. But do you? Are you keeping it? Or are you, uh, are you picking it? <laughs> <laughs> what movie was this? We're, we're held hostage until this happens. <laughs> this all stays in, by the way. Hold on, I'm trying to... I'm going with... Jean-Claude Carriere and Philip Kaufman, uh, based on the novel of Milan Kundera, uh, for the unbearable lightness of being, because your mother loves. So yes, 
There we go. It's a classic. I knew where that was going. Um, it doesn't matter. I'll go Gorillas in the Mist. It's fine. We're finally on to another category. I don't know that I've ever laughed that hard on the <laughs> podcast before. Yeah. It's great. Uh, best original screenplay. Rain Man wins. Ronald Bass and Barry Morrow. If you recall, which I feel like we have to. And I like Rain Man. Spoiler alert for later on. Like, I'm not a Rain Man hater. The nominees here are Big, Gary Ross and Ann Spielberg, Bull Durham, Ron Shelton, A Fish Called Wanda, John Cleese, and Running on Empty, Naomi Foner. Uh, we have to recall, I think. Uh, recall. Recall. Uh, fish... I'm going Wanda. Yeah, I'm going Fish yeah. Called Wanda without hesitation. Like, John Cleese, not maybe as great a person these days as I would have preferred, but like, God, I would love to see him have an Oscar. That speech would be the all-time best Oscar speech. Well, not just that. Like, that's one of, like, the funniest comedies ever made. Like, that, yeah. that's a flawless script. Agreed. Steve, what would you have picked? Uh, I would have gone with A Fish Called Wanda or possibly Big or Bull Durham. <clears throat> yeah, I think Rayman might be my fourth, and I love those top yeah. four. Running on Empty is kind of a funny film to be in the list but yeah there's nothing wrong yeah outside of that one though it's a really good lineup yeah sure um best supporting actress gina davis wins for the accidental tourist which has been doing so well with us here um if you recall joan cusack working girl francis mcdormand mississippi burning michelle pfeiffer dangerous liaisons we did talk about uh giving michelle pfeiffer an oscar last week and sigourney weaver working girl uh, I will recall, but I will just say, apparently I'm not a very good, like, Oscar enthusiast because I just found out that Gina Davis is an Oscar winner. There you go. Hmm. I'll say keep it because I'm not a big fan of giving any of these performances uh, a win, so. Including hers. I'm gonna say keep, I'm gonna say keep it too. Because I, I do also, I kind of like the Gina Davis. Yeah, right? that's... Even though the Pfeiffer fans are pissed. Thing. What would you have gone with, Miles, if you recalled? I would have just gone with Michelle Pfeiffer per our previous conversation. There Same we go. Same here. Um, best Supporting Actor, Kevin Klein, A Fish Call Wanda. Don't even touch it. It's amazing. Um, the options we're not going to be using. Uh, Alec Guinness, Little Dorrit. Martin Landau, Tucker, The Man in His Dream. It shows up again. Jeez. River Phoenix, Running on Empty, and Dean Stockwell and Married to the Mob. Uh, some interesting choices, but Kevin Klein, Fish Called Wanda is like maybe one of the great wins of all time. I think I have. I don't remember. Do I have it as my number one in supporting actor of all time? I might. I, I do that list every year. I should know these things. I, I wouldn't blame you if you did. That's like yeah. A plus stuff. Uh, I mean, yeah. It's a, uh, Steve, you weren't reading yep, along, were you? Keep it. All right. Yeah, that was like it's always kind of a miracle when a comedic performance wins. But look at that lineup. He cakewalked. He had to. Have. Yeah, for sure. Uh, best actress, Jodie Foster, The Accused. If you recall, your options are Glenn Close, Dangerous Liaisons, Melanie Griffith, Working Girl, Meryl Streep, A Cry in the Dark, and Sigourney Weaver, Girls in the Mist. Miles, it's a real movie. It exists. Uh, I guess so. Sigourney Weaver double nominated this year yeah good on her um, also a cry in the dark notably the uh dingo eating a baby movie yeah <laughs> is that a cooking film um so yeah it's uh julia and the dingo 
<laughs> so I'm not going to lie. For the longest time, I thought the Dingo movie and Sophie's Choice were the same movie. And I thought she was like, I don't know how I, I like, I don't know how I got this idea in my head. But for some reason, when I was younger, I was convinced that Sophie's Choice was a movie about a mother who had to choose which of her children got eaten by a dingo. <laughs> I love it. Wait, so is the dingo giving her this choice? I don't know. I, like, I don't know what the circumstances were in my head. It's just for for like an embarrassingly long time before I stopped and thought about it. Like, I thought that was who, what that movie was. Who would voice the dingo? Wouldn't you? Uh, ben Kingsley. <laughs> Perfect. Nice. Well, I was trying to think of something um, that would have uh, played in that era. Um, for dingo. Uh, who won Judy Foster? Uh, I don't have yep. strong feelings about any of these, so I just say leave it. Yeah, I'm okay. Yeah, uh, Foster's great, so keep it. Sure. Yep. Glenn Close loses again. Wow. Best actor. Dustin Hoffman in Rain Man. If we recall, your options are uh, Miles's future interview subject, Gene Hackman, when you go to that mm-hmm. diner. Oh, yeah. In Mississippi Burning. Yeah, we spent a lot of time on that last time. Did you ever watch that segment or no? Oh, I completely forgot about it as soon as we finished recording. Oh, well, there's your homework. Watch that segment. Uh, Tom Hanks for Big, Edward James Almost, Stand and Deliver, and Max von Sydow, Hell the Conqueror. Hmm. That is an interesting lineup. Yes. Um... And who won again? I'm sorry. Oh, uh, Dustin, Dustin Hoffman, Hoffman. Rain Man. I'd probably leave it. It's a good performance. Steve? Yeah, I'd leave it. Um, yeah, I'm happy with it, but I, I'll say recall just it doesn't matter. I would have might have gone Tom Hanks. That, that would be my I definitely two. considered it. Yeah. All right. Best director. So we... Uh, we left Dustin Hoffman with what some consider a problematic Oscar, but we, we talked off air about this. I think it's really much more of a situation specific thing. And I, I have less of an issue with this one as opposed to some of the other potential castings or actual castings we've had over the years where you're like, you definitely took a job away from someone. I don't know that this was that case here. Agreed. Yeah. Um, Best director. Barry Levinson wins for Rain Man. Recently interviewed on Awards Radar. If we recall, your options are Charles Crichton, Fish Called Wanda. Love that nomination. Martin Scorsese, The Last Temptation of Christ. Alan Parker, Mississippi Burning. And Mike Nichols, Working Girl. Two lone director nominations. Yeah, that's... Wow, what an interesting year. Yep. Uh, Wait, what, what do you mean lone, will... lone director nominations? Oh, uh, that was a thing... Clayton, I used to say it was um, they get direct, they get nominated for director, but not picked. Oh, okay. Because I'm saying because you know, like a... the Last Temptation of Christ has not been represented at all throughout, but the other films have. I mean, that's a that's a wait. Is Last Temptation of Christ one nomination I for think best so. director? Holy I think shit, so. What a weird nomination. Yeah, isn't that strange? That, that is so, uh, I. Wow, that is strange. fascinating. Should we play this out or should we leave? Oh, I was gonna recall. Um. Yeah, let's recall. Let's see what happens. Yeah, recall. Uh, run me through the nominees again. Barry Levinson, Charles Crichton, Martin Scorsese, Alan Parker, Mike Nichols. Um, I might go with the Fish Called Wanda director. Yeah. Uh, Steve, where are you at? I'm going to keep it with the Rain Man. 
Oh, I was hoping you picked another one, so I had a backup plan. Um, I think I want to go Crichton. I think I, I think I just love a fish called Wanda that much. It's so good. Yeah, right. I can't, I can't help it. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm happy we're doing this for Wanda. All right, and now best picture. Where I guess since we it was Noir Vember, tell me if uh, if you would have added this one to the lineup. Um, so Rain Man wins. Nominees, if you recall, The Accidental Tourist, Dangerous Liaisons, Mississippi Burning, and Working Girl. Yeah, Wanda and uh, and Roger Rabbit should really be in there. I would go with either of them over any of those choices. Um, so this was a year of ten. That's that's two, right? That's seven for sure. Mm-hmm. Does, does Temptation of Christ get in because it has a director nomination? I, I think Maybe. that because of the controversy, I think that's why you see the lone nomination. You know, it's like... Yeah, you know what? You know what I think the other three are? I think one of them is big. I was just about to say, yeah. Um, They were... Pell the Conqueror gets the Best Actor nomination, so maybe that one gets Die in. Die Hard has sure. a lot of... They did of, do that. You know, below the line stuff. Die Hard might be a bridge yeah, too far seems for too them. Far, but... Well, especially in that era. You know what the 10th one is? It's it's Gorillas in the Mist. Yeah. That's oh, it. yeah. There you that's go. It. That movie. Oh, wait, wait. wait. Uh, yeah. Bull Durham? I think there's a chance on that. You don't, you don't really see it represented work. anywhere else, though. Could yeah. screenplay and. But it could have been. Yeah. So uh, yeah, we're going to play this one out, I guess, right? What, for picture? picture I'd say should. leave it. Yeah. Mm. I mean, I'm I'm happy to. No, I'd say leave it. I mean, this is one of those years that I'm like, just besides Rain Man, totally. It just ends us a little low energy, but yeah. you know, yeah, no, Rain Man's the best of that five. Yeah, yeah, easily. Uh, Mississippi Burning is good. Working Girl is good. The other two were kind of just all right. Liaison yeah, is, 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 is a, a kind of surprising one. You know, is one of those classic oscar films it's it's beautiful yeah. it's got you know yeah, it's, it's a lot going for it it's yeah. just do you really want to watch it no <laughs> totally um yeah so next week we're gonna do chinatown which you already know depending on if um steve's bathroom break is still on the show or not <laughs> find out when you listen um let's wrap up because it's the middle of the fucking night and this is actually somewhat a, this is a longer podcast than we thought mm-hmm. considering uh we got derailed by the uh the jokes but hopefully you enjoyed so um, I thought for a second you were going to give like just one example as though we weren't constantly derailed for the past two hours. It was it was a 40 minute. I don't think we ever about... I, th- I don't think we ever caught sight of the rails this episode. <laughs> no, no, we we were flying the whole time. Um, when you say where you can be followed, obviously uh, throw out your letterboxed. And um, speaking of that, the way we'll wrap up is um, your favorites of the year so far. Steve, how comfortable... I know you have less films than Miles on the list. How far down the list are you comfortable listing as one of your top of the year? Top five? Top six? Top Wait, four? how you, far? Your... What's that mean? Yeah, yeah. You you only have like 15 movies on that list. Yeah. Oh. So how, your top 10 is probably not your 10 best films of no, the year. No, no, no. Because there's stuff you haven't added. No, I, I mean, there's, there's, so so, there's some I haven't added and there's others that I'm like... I, I, it was it was a pretty rough listing. I was just so wanted to start it. Let's say your top five. All right. You give so say we can be followed and give your top five of the year so far, both of you. Okay. Miles, want to start? Cool, Miles. Yeah, uh, you can find me on both Twitter and, as mentioned, Letterboxed, uh, uh, 
<laughs> don't want to blame yourself on that one i choked it i'm, I'm fine um <laughs> you can... <laughs> see please cut this out uh, okay. i'll try my best you can find me on both twitter and letterboxd at miles on film that's m-y-l-e-s on film please check out my short films american exorcist and once upon a dracula they are both on youtube under aftershock pictures and chase capo respectively please check out my writing on both awards radar and looper and my top five of the year so far is Everything Everywhere All at Once, RRR, The Batman, Top Gun Maverick, and The Banshees of Inishiran. That was uh, Banshees number one? Or top one? Or no, it was one going to five. Okay. Okay. I'm looking at my list now. My list is actually, I forgot to save my list the first time I did it. So this is the faster version of it uh, because RRR did fit in there. Uh, in my top 15 it is not in there right now but it will be um so uh you can follow me i'm steve you can follow me on twitter and letterboxd at film snork please do the more people who follow the more active i'll be sometimes you you know it gets lonely out there um and my time that's where your your wife or your girlfriend is supposed to help before she gets hurt by (laughs) philip seymour exactly See, you're not supposed to say that out loud. Um, so, and <laughs> you can also check out the verse. So, at the verse cast, it's a uh, it's a fun uh, ride through the cinematic universes of all pretty much everything. We cover a lot, and it's a lot of fun. Trust me. If if you don't agree, then you don't uh, agree with uh, celebrities like uh, Jordan Blum, uh, uh, Jamila Jamil, and uh, Kate Mulgrew, all who have worn our shirts. You know why? Because they love our product. Uh, but check it out at the Versecast. But my top five right now, um, and it's it's a always shifting. But it's going to go with uh, the Banshees. It's going to go with everywhere, uh, everything, everywhere. Tar, uh, Apollo, and Apollo Ten, and what is it? A half. Apollo Ten yeah. and a half. Which, by the way, today. Got ruled eligible for best animated feature still. It would have been ruled ineligible for reasons that made no Good. Sense. I'm glad because I think it's, I, I, I mean, that film needs to be seen. I, I think it's really fantastic. And it's another. That and Marcel, that and Marcel Lachelle both ruled eligible. Yeah, I saw that. I saw, I saw that on Awards Radar where I find all my movie and awards yeah. news. And my fifth one sure. right now is, is right now it's, I think it's the Batman, but, um, you know, yeah, let's stick with the Batman for now. But RRR isn't is a high up. We've never really discussed largely it. Largely the same list as Miles. What was it? So largely the same as Miles. But yeah, you finally watched RRR after like kind of was was dreading the runtime. I think. A bit. Yeah, I, I watched it, and I'm like, I I am not as high on it as others are, and I I appreciate so much of it, and like, and I enjoyed it. It's just, you know, I I, I it hurts me when I watch a film that gets universal praise and and gets put up on a pedestal and then you like have to have it has to meet those expectations but after the first hour i was like "Eh, i don't think this is for me once it got into the second hour and toward the end i I enjoyed it much more and uh, i was like okay it does it's it there's more substance to it than you would expect from a film that has the visual it's got all the visual uh uh, treats that you'd want, but then there's actually some sure. substance below it. So, yeah, good film. It's in my top fifteen. Right. Check it out. Um, check it out in a week or so. Nice. 
I, uh, you can find me at Joey Magazin, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Letterboxd, um, and so on. Awards Radar is on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And I will give you my top nine. And I would say the top five are kind of in a malleable order. So, like, four honorable mentions, I guess. Hustle. Really like that Adam Sandler movie. Uh, the Unbearable Weight of Massive Talent. Still hanging out in my top ten. Everything, Everywhere, All at Once. The Whale which we'll see what happens when Miles and Steve see it. Um, and my top five, you can kind of play with the order you want. Uh, top Gun Maverick. Vengeance, which I imagine is probably in Miles' top ten. Uh, that's my six. There we go. She Said, The Fablemans, and uh, yeah, I, I, Clerks 3 is somewhere on my list. Let's, let's be real. That's it's not going to change. Um, I do feel like those nine are probably going to end up in my top ten at the end of the year. And that tenth spot is in flux. Um, I would say Glass Onion was there at one mm-hmm. point. Apollo 10 and a half was there at one point. So we'll see. I'm looking at your list we right now, and there's like there's several films that I'm, I'll be seeing in the next week or so um, that are on your top nice, 20. Nice. So, yeah, I'm excited to see. Excellent. Excellent. Well, until next week when everyone will have seen uh, Black Panther, which is in my top 12. So they'll, everyone will have seen one of those. Uh, you know, We'll see you at the movies. Uh, hopefully this mess was enjoyable. Probably watch. People like this one more probably than last time. And um, next next week uh, we're we're taking a, a trip. We're taking a noir vember field trip. Miles, you know where we're going? Where are we going? We're going to Chinatown. What? <laughs> the recalibration. Wait, Steve, you don't. Did you torpedo are actually effective one? A uh, perfect end to a perfect podcast. We we knocked it out of the park, and Steve ran onto the field, dude. <laughs> <laughs> uh, good night, everybody. I need to go to bed. Yes, we all clearly do. Thanks for listening. Be sure to subscribe and to visit awardsradar.com for the best in awards and entertainment content. <laughs> <laughs>